like all the Bakugo haters, whatever they have to fucking say, like, you know, it's 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 finally been said. Like Bakugo knows he knows what he did to Deku. And it was mm-hmm. out of insecurities that he took it out on Deku. But deep down, man, Bakugo is like we've said this tons of times on 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 our podcast. Man, Bakugo is not a bad guy. He's just no misunderstood. He has, like bad tendencies from time to time, but it's not like harmful to people. He just picked on Deku because he knew he was in a way threatened. Like, oh shit, if I don't if I don't step up my game, he's gonna surpass me. And of all people, I don't want him to surpass me. You know, so yeah, it, it, it's it was really nice to see that. It was really nice to see that uh that Bakugo like finally took that time to be like, hey, look, I'm sorry. Like I, I yeah. whatever I did to you, whatever I said to you, I'm sorry. And, and that's and that right there was like, dude, if you don't love Bakugo anymore, like I don't know, people are just idiots for not enjoying the writing of Bakugo, man. Because I don't know, it just, it's just like I think Bakugo is the most real character out of all these students mm-hmm. like he's the one that anyone can relate to because we've all been bullies to someone before we've all grown and changed in our lifetime we're not always the hero like deku we're not always like saving someone like deku but you know bakugo is the most real and it's also like people forget that you can also redeem yourself as a person and i think that's why like, bakugo is one of the best characters hey guys it's your host julian this week i sit down with my favorite anime podcast host ricky vang Ricky hosts the Spoiler Force podcast, a podcast where he chats anime, manga, and pop culture with the industry's finest. This week we're chatting everything and anything that has to do with My Hero Academia Season 6. You've been warned, so if you haven't finished this latest season, go watch it and then listen to us. Ricky, the host for Spoiler Force podcast, man. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you? No problem. Thank you for inviting me again, man. I've been doing well. Excited to, uh, to do this and talk about My Hero, man. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we're... Uh, Ricky's probably going to drive the ship because if I can say anything, man, it's I'm super new to anime. Uh, you know, I've I've started to to, to deepen my knowledge of anime. Uh, and a lot of it is because of recommendations from your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you love anime, check out Ricky's podcast. It's my favorite anime podcast out there. And that's a spoiler force podcast. But Ricky dropped it right there. We're going to talk this season, season six, My Hero Academia. Uh, before we dive deep into the the season, man, what were your overall, uh, what were your overall opinions or feelings going into the season? Dude, I I was just so excited for this mm. specific arc, especially just the first half because yeah. um, I mean, I don't I don't want to like dive into spoilers right away, but like because of certain characters and like just the overall like um sense of urgency that the mm-hmm. heroes face when they face uh Shigaraki and the Liberation Army and the League of Villains like there's there's just so much at stake at this point because now it's not really build up no more it's like climax at this point mm-hmm. I, I think I guess that's the best way you can say it because now after what's happened with season five like you know we got to see Shigaraki's pretty much growth as a villain how much more powerful he's gotten and the question is can the heroes you know can they stop him or can they get him like can they beat him and those questions were answered right away in the season. Ooh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Usually when you get a first episode of returning, like they left it on a huge cliffhanger for season five, right? Yep. And then it rolls right into it. And I I got to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a sub. No, I'm not a sub guy. Excuse me. I am a dub guy. Um, I know that's, you know, uh, what's the word? Browned upon for most fans of anime. Uh, but <laughs> I enjoy it because most of the time when I'm watching anything, I need to be able to hear it 
and not have to like look up at certain points uh, because I'm usually doing something, whether it's cleaning, cooking, you know, playing with the kid or whatever it is. Um, so dub really helps out. Um, so I had to watch the second half in sub and I found out that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be in a sense. And I'm not shitting on the, on the, on the sub guys, but it's just like, I thought I was going to have a bigger problem with it than I really did because I'd been used to dub for so uh, long. Okay. Right. I'd, yeah, for the most part, that's all I ever watch because, like I said, I got shit to do. I got I got to make sure I'm doing this and watching TV. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I still, like I said, I still prefer dub. Don't please don't hit me in the comments about it, but it's <laughs> uh, it's been a blast. But <clears throat> getting to that first part, like I said, season five ends. You're like, holy shit! You expect a slow build up in episode one, and they're like, nope. Boom, right out they go plus ultra as soon as it hits right so like i said you uh ricky here he's uh read way ahead than uh where this season's going so he knows some really cool shit's gonna happen probably some really sad shit's gonna happen too um but give me your first impressions of these first this first arc at least man what were you thinking what were you feeling dude like i was very excited to see uh mirko in action the the yes. bunny hero because you know they they teased her very well in season five and like and of course if you read the manga then you know what she's capable of and you know she's a very good supportive character because like they literally gave her i guess like one or two episodes maybe even three just her focusing on her her skills why she's in the top five heroes you know and um it was just awesome to see that finally being animated but my only complaint is that I've talked about this on my on my show as well. Is like because it's because it's been animated, it's geared towards like the younger audience and it's mm -hmm. more censored. In the manga, her arm is actually torn off, not twisted. So she loses her arm and I think she loses her leg um in the process of fighting and getting to the doctor and this first part of the season. But then I mean still it's it's still done well, like just it was just so hype for me, man. Like seeing her finally like take on the Nomus and then uh where she breaks in, she's like, you know, what's up, doc to the doctor? Like yes. uh that Bugs Bunny <laughs> reference right there. You know, it, it's it was just chef's kiss, man. Like it, and only the, the only reason I say this because like if you have to be invested in this show, you can't just jump in into this like climax of a season and be like, Oh my gosh, I love it, because it the story builds up to this point. And like I said, when with the end of season five, they ended it off in a big note. And usually, you know, my hero is mostly known to do like the first episode is slow, you know, a slow recap type of thing. You know, like Julian said, they just went right into it and, and you get action right away. Dude, I was like I said, when I, I was waiting for it because I bought the first part of the season um, in Amazon because I just didn't want to wait for it. So and plus it was dub. <laughs> and so I'm getting ready to watch it. And my buddy Josie at work. He texts me. He was like, holy shit, it gets real, real quick. And I didn't know what he was talking about. So I put question mark, question mark. He was like, we talked about it at work. And he just put my hero. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. So I instantly, like Hayden and I are just diving into it deep. And then Hayden is a lot like you. Uh, you know, we'll get to the point where I wanted to fight my 13-year-old son in a little bit. Um, but, uh, cause he reads ahead. I think, I think he might be caught up. He doesn't read the ones that are dropping weekly. So he's getting like oh, a little okay. three for ones. 
Um, and, uh, cause they sell them at my comic book store. So, you know, every time they have a new one, I pick it up and bring it home to him cause he'll read them right away. Um, and he's not as impressed or as shocked because he knows what's going to happen. He yeah. knows what's going on. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm the guy that's, that's blissfully unaware. Um, but yeah, same thing like Mirko, I didn't know too much about her. You know, they, I think they might've done like a little breakdown of her when they did the one through 10 after, you know, all might retired, uh, spoiler alert, um, uh, after he retired and then everybody just got a power up, essentially everybody just moved up one spot. So you see this and I, like I said, I wasn't familiar and seeing her same thing you said, go, what's up doc. I was like, Oh shit. She hit a bugs bunny slash Lola bunny, uh, yeah. type of move here. <laughs> and then she just wrecks the shit out of everything man she was such a badass character um with the exception of like her arm and her her uh her leg getting removed in the manga uh what did they change too much like was the fight scenes kind of the same as what was in the show that we saw it was pretty similar you know i think i'd say it's frame the frame um i mean it just depends on like i guess perspective of how you read the manga because you Mm. know the manga pages are black and white unless you find the colored pages but i was expecting a little bit more um i guess just more destruction in in the fight scene but still like just seeing her finally being animated is what i was expecting the most like her her and like several other characters which we'll touch up on later but like uh just finally see this part being animated and you hear the music and the voice actors is what i was looking forward to the most because in the manga you're just reading it you're just reading Mm -hmm. panels you know so it's it's up to the reader to decide like oh man i wonder how this sounds like or i wonder how this will look like you know so the the animation the anime did really well absolutely man now something I've, i've always wondered uh, with you reading the manga head and you reading comics as well, obviously, I mean, you got Batman right behind you. So anytime I read a Batman yeah. comic, I'm hearing Kevin Conroy, right? I'm hearing Mark Hamill as the Joker. When you're reading the manga, are you hearing, even though you don't speak Japanese, are you hearing like that inflection from the sub? I know it's a weird question to kind of ask, but do you kind of get that? Or are you putting in uh, whatever voices or, 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 or uh, what are you hearing? I guess is what I'm getting at when you're reading it. Well, I mean, I, I try to draw from like a lot of the comic books that I read. Mm-hmm. So um, when I read manga, like if I if I heard their English voices already, then I'm sticking to that. Yeah. So like I kind of hear that a little bit, a little bit mixed with like with how the Japanese of actors sound like too. But like it's nothing too off. It's just I, I'm just reading it like mm-hmm. charismatically in my mind. So I yeah. mean, sometimes like I will try to, I, I guess mostly for for the for the sub i try to um picture who would i think would voice that character and um i mean, I don't know too many of the seiyus which are the japanese voice actors because like I'll, there's mm-hmm. so many of them and they voice tons and tons of characters so it, it's really hard to kind of pick like man i think i think mirko would sound like this person or i think deku would sound like this person you know, so it, it's it's kind of just like you're just guessing and so i i it's more comfortable for me to just be like, I, I think maybe Mirko might have like a Wonder Woman-esque kind of sound like a, or a more aggressive, like not tomboyish, but more like just mm-hmm. like a very strong female like type of character. You know, she's, you know, you can tell like she's not very soft spoken. You can tell like Mirko's like, I'm whooping your ass, you know? So oh, it, yeah. It's, yeah. So <laughs> I try to just do that and draw that into the the characters that I'm reading. But like, like you said, though, if it comes down to like Superman, Batman and Joker, I, their voices are, you know, Kevin Conroy and Joker, you know, like that's yeah. who I'm reading. 
Absolutely. Um, so we're going to, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to walk through uh, this entire season. So we've got the infiltration of the heroes, right? So what's what I liked about this, how they opened, it was like three stories simultaneously going on. Yep. And you think something like that would be difficult to pull. I'm pretty sure it was difficult to shit. I'm just a guy talking about what I watched. I want to assume it was difficult, but they they did it excellently. Three stories interwoven into one, and then you're getting timestamps on what's going on when. Um, so we see the infiltration of the heroes coming into the hospital. We see Mirko uh, essentially running amok, just trying to destroy everything to get to Shigaraki. And ladies and gentlemen, we will jump over some some details, but it's on you to go and watch this amazing season of My Hero Academia. Um, but, you know, we see her in Endeavor, and we'll see everybody else, like I said, just infiltrating this hospital. You've got a secondary team of both heroes and students off-site uh, trying to catch any of the um, uh, any of the other villains that might be getting away, and you see Gigantomachia coming in as well. Um, but uh, when that initial attack is going on, right, and you see Mirko get crack that screen or that 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 file that Shigaraki's in, man, uh, what are you feeling? I mean, is it? And obviously, like I said, you read it, so ladies and gentlemen, we'll refer to that quite often. But what's going through your mind? You thinking like, oh shit, this is about to happen. This is when Shigaraki destroys everything. Um, well, initially, when I was reading the manga, I was very surprised that Miracle made it that far on her own mm -hmm. um, because, you know, she took off first and Endeavor was still chasing, like, was still behind her because they were trying to, like, capture the villains that was already in front. And so um, seeing her go off on her own and then fighting the Nomus was, like, it was just intense to see, like, man, yeah. like, that's how strong she really is. for, And then explains why she's in the top five, you know, because it, it, it's very, I'm going to kind of go on a tangent here. It, it's hard to compare these top heroes because All Might's already solidified, like, this mm -hmm. is the best hero. And, you know, this is, if All Might was there, you know, he could have done that himself. But then, like, to see the, the light being shined on other top five heroes or other pro heroes, it shows you that they're not as weak as we think they are. The power scaling mm -hmm. is maybe, like, way different, but they're not they're not like nothing without all my they can still hold their own so seeing that she made it to her she made it to shigaraki on her own was already like holy shit and then her breaking the, the the case or the vial that he was in was like man like you know she she's no slouch you know mirko is like all this hype like she deserves this hype um i was more concerned on like if what if she kicked it open and like shigaraki like grabbed her you know like that's yeah. that's what i was like <laughs> Were you expecting them to change anything from the manga to kind of adapt? Because you do see that with certain with certain uh, franchise, like we see in The Last of Us. Uh, we've seen quite a few changes because Game of Thrones is another big one. Um, I, I don't know if it's just creative licensing or people don't want to follow the book 100% because a lot of people might check out. I don't know. I would always... I'm always going to watch my hero before I read it. Um, but were you surprised that they didn't change too much from that? Or were you expecting something in that that first arc to change? I mean, I, I expected like the censorship um, mm. was mostly just that. Um, usually, like, I think the differences with like how Western animation or Western um, TV shows do adaptations versus like Japan it's because it's not live action. So like with yeah. animation, you could you're free to do or add or take away anything you want as long as you i think for me my, my take is as long as you stick to the core panels like don't mm -hmm. change up the panels or like a certain like when when miracle does the luna architect like that that's a panel right there you know her attacking shigaraki's case like as long as they didn't change that you know then i'm fine with it but 
most of the time i i would say most of the time I, like there are animes out there that that do like derive off of the source material but as of now my hero has not the um i mean the animation like i said has been by far um much better than i that than i anticipated it's just like i said seeing all that being animated and in action you know so um yeah, not nothing too much, like nothing too far off, too much. And if there's anyone that like agrees or disagrees, like, got make sure to comment in the comment section yeah. too, so we know. <laughs> Absolutely, it's always interesting seeing what you would take from it, what I take from it, and then watching the show with my son, I get to see what he takes from it too, because he might pick up on a different character, the way they talk, the way they move, the way they interact, or the way they move through this world than I would because he's fucking 13, man, and I'm 30, almost 34. So I'm going to see things or point out things that I'm seeing in my 34-year-old eyes and vice versa for him. Um, but uh, one thing that we absolutely loved, I mean, when present Mike comes running in after she cracks it mm. and they go, dude, like we both, like I got goosebumps right now, but like we both like looked at each other and then we went, oh, like he didn't say, oh, shit, because he's 13 and he knows he'll get in trouble and shit. But we're like, <laughs> oh, shit. Right. And, you know, he, you know, Shigaraki obviously falls out of this, this ooze, this file that uh, the doc was working on him. And uh, it kind of ends there. And then you see that electricity just hit and then <gasps> comes to life. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man, I wonder what's going to happen. Because Shigaraki's always been my favorite villain. I can't pick just one favorite character. I've got to have a favorite hero. I've got to have a favorite teacher, a favorite student, and a favorite villain. That way I get to cheat and say, hey, I've got all of these characters that I absolutely love. But Shigaraki, going from last season into this one, I was not ready for not so much to him to take a backseat because I kind of assumed he was going to be front and center, even though he kind of was, even though he was a vessel for uh, – I always get him mixed up uh, – one for all. Um, did I say no, that all one for one. Right? <laughs> all for one. Thank you. I always get him mixed up. All for one. All for one. All for one. Um, but, he, you know, him just being a vessel. But – uh like I said, his his final arc in that in that last season, you see how he becomes who he is, why he becomes who he is. And then it's crazy. Like, it's just like we're one bad day away, not from like total destruction and dismay like Shigaraki. But we could all be a villain in our own story if we ended up or we had a story like Shigaraki. Yeah. Um, but uh, like I said, when he wakes up and he just lays waste to essentially all of Japan at that point, you know. I'm blown the fuck away, man. It, it's just, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like how, slow down, Shigaraki, pump the brakes. Why is this? <laughs> I was starting to get worried because I'm like, does this, is this the last season? Is this how all of it ends? Man, when you're watching this, like what's going through your head? What are you seeing? What are you picking out from it that you like the most? Dude, it, it's just seeing like Shigaraki's resolve. Like, mm -hmm. like um, there's, you know, there, there's this quote that, whether it's on social media or like it's most people will see like like um you know to villains they are the heroes in their in their story right so yes when you see shigaraki like he just people forget like you know or at least i won't say all people like you know if you watch it don't forget that he already powered up in the last season like when he fought the liberation leader like he already powered up and so him powering up again in this season. So not just take that. He's amplified now with more, like, not just his quirk, but physical attributes, multiple quirks, you know. So they don't, the heroes don't know what they're, like, messing with at this point. They're just like, oh, we know that he's being tested on. We got to stop him before he wakes up. And it's already too late because he woke up. But 
man, just like that, the scene in the hospital where before he takes off and he just like disintegrates everything around him mm-hmm. and the heroes. I, who was it? I think with the hero that saved Aizawa, he, and you see him like melt away. Yes. Yeah. And dude, like that, like Shigaraki's power is just so freaking overpowered because he doesn't even have to touch you at this point. Now he can just yeah. touch the floor. And as long as you're in that area or that, that circumference of his power, you're, you're done. Absolutely. And and the fact, the, what I loved so much or so much about this, and I keep getting goosebumps just thinking about this initial <laughs> arc, man, it's <clears throat> the sheer panic that they were able to put on these inanimate characters or these yep. characters that are ambient animated, but it's just like these fictitious characters, the fear that they are put in, like you are absorbing their fear, their uncomfortableness, their, their, their discomfort. You're seeing this through their eyes. And then for just a split second, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're sucked into the show, like I've been and like Ricky's been, you can kind of take on the, Oh shit. Like what can we do with this guy? Like this guy, like you said, is so overpowered at this point. He essentially just has to sneeze and he's taking it out all of Tokyo, right? It's just, yeah. it's fucking wild when you think about just how far his powers go and how strong he has gotten from the last season. Like you said, those two power-ups, those two level-ups essentially. And now he is the the, the vessel uh, for all, I'm going to say it right, this one, all for one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, one for one, buddy. Um, yeah, you know, so it, it's it's it was just so crazy. And like you like you said, that Aizawa moment where he's reaching back for that hero and then the hero just fades away and turns to dust. I was just like, the game's done changed, ladies and gentlemen. This this shit, like they're playing for keeps right now. And it really felt like, oh, the heroes were on top up until they kicked that door into that hospital. And then you just see everything flip upside down like stranger things, man. Um, when, so we'll flash forward head just a little bit, man. So we get out onto the street. So we're seeing the students and some of the other pro heroes that were split and divided. Um, so we're starting to see their side of the story and what they're going through, man. Um, what were some of your initial thoughts about seeing this secondary arc within that first arc? This is, this is why. I love Horikoshi's storytelling because it's very much like a DC or Marvel comic, right? Mm-hmm. You see like the first timeline and then they go, all right, during this time, this is what they were doing. And then, you know, yeah. back and forth. So uh, I guess we can start off with um, where they, I guess, invade first, or at least I want to say it's with Fat Gums group and, and all those yeah. um, and, and uh, Kaminari and all, and all of them. Because th- there's them that there's the offensive group that goes first and then there's the the group in the back where you know where you have like Yayorozu and, and mm-hmm. Mineta and all of them so there's there's two separate groups um but the first group that goes in you know Kaminari gets to shine dude like reading that part in the manga I was like dude this goofy electric kid gets his time to shine and in the anime they did not disappoint and I love what Horikoshi does is like he kind of teases the you know, you know the young romance there. You see that mm-hmm. oh, it's it's Jiro and and uh, Kaminari. They, they're the ones yeah. that it's kind of like, you know, they're the ones that kind of have like this child young love going on with each other, and, and it just I, I love seeing how these heroes or the, even the students how they all encourage each other, they all support each other. Like from class A to dude, I, we talked about this before, dude. Like class fucking B, man. Like class B is so yes. underrated, bro. I, it is. I I wish they honestly I would love to have a series on just class B, but like seeing them work together with them and then you see like you know all the skill sets that these students have, 
and like uh back to Kaminari, like he was afraid like to go in because they needed mm-hmm. his quirk to stop one of the initial guys, like because he had a uh, electricity power too. That like, no, Kaminari, we need you to to nullify his his power so that we can go in. And he was scared until Jiro's like, no, you got this. Like, go and do it. And then you see him like strike his hand in the air. He poses, mm-hmm. absorbs the lightning. I'm like, dude, let's go, man. Let's go, yeah. Kaminari. Like, like that. That's why, I, man. I, I get so excited because. Horikoshi does it so well to where each student has their moment in this story. It's not always just, it's not always Deku. It's not always Bakugo. It's not always Todoroki. Like everyone has a moment and a, and a pivotal part to play, whether you have the best quirk or the worst quirk, you have a part to play in this story. And I freaking love it. I have to correct you on one thing, man. You said Bakugo wrong in there. Is, uh... <laughs> we will get to him in a, in a moment. Like, oh, like, brother. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, if you're the same, I don't know if you get like a real emotional one, when, uh, whenever you see something you're super invested in, but as I've gotten older, man, the tears, they start to like, not like, like I'm boohoo crying, but like I get so emotionally attached uh, to specifically this show. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Attack on Titan. I can't wait to do a review and wrap up on Attack on Titan because that one, that's like God tier for me. I, I absolutely love what Attack on Titan's done. I'm kind of pissed that we got to wait six to eight months for the next part or the next episode. I just hope it's really good. But uh, like seeing that scene with Kaminari and then you're pointing, he's pointing his finger up. Dude, I, like I flash back to like when he would get like you know he'd be all slow and shit because he yeah. just literally shot in his entire loadout um and <laughs> you seeing him like master his quirk now and he can control it like he might get a little derpy from time to time by either shooting off too much or absorbing too much but the fact that he was afraid and he stepped up to the plate you see these kids becoming heroes you see them shedding that like freshman weight, essentially, like I'm not taking that baggage with me anymore. This is my job. You see them wide eyed and bushy tailed when they first come to UA. And now you see them absorbing that role and becoming what they're eventually going to be when they become adults and they leave UA. And that moment right there solidified everything you needed to know about Kaminari. It's just he is going to do. I got goosebumps, dude. I'm, I'm, this is like the goosebumps <laughs> show. That scene, brother. Man, when he, like I said, when he put his finger up and he took everything, I was like, fucking, I woke my wife up. I'm like, let's fucking go. I'm just cheering downstairs. It was just like, I was so pumped and so hyped, just like you said. Um, yeah, man, it was, that was such a beautiful moment, a beautiful scene. And like I said, I got, I got tears just welling up, just watching that. And just like I said, seeing him become what he wants to be was just so cool. And like you said, he has so many characters that he's writing, right? So many characters that he has to get into the story. And no pun intended, every single character, including Kaminari, shines in every single episode of this series. I've never seen one character just left out there to dry, man. It's a tr- it's a mark of a true craftsman at what this guy does on a day-in, day-out basis. Phenomenal. Couldn't be a better word for it, man. Um, yeah. Oh, hold on. Before you go on, I, I just want to add on, like, the whole emotional aspect. Right? I, I, I don't get emotional about the characters, but I do get very invested. And I think because mm-hmm. we get invested as viewers, like we attach either a part of ourselves or yes. recognize a, like something about these characters that we would recognize in whether it's our daily life or just, you know, mm-hmm. people that we know. And so like for me, like I, I got so invested because the writing is just so well, you know, Horikoshi yes. does it so well to where he gives you enough 
character development for everyone, but then it doesn't take away from the main plot. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, like, you know, um, I, I I spoke about this with um with with uh the voice actor for Shikamaru from Naruto, uh, Tom Gibbous. You know, like we 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 know people in our lives who are like characters that we see on in these whatever anime you're watching. So I think that's mm-hmm. why, like, there's some sort of recognition, like, you know. It's for me, especially like I think it gets personal for me because like when I see these kids, these characters, like they they especially the ones that are like, I don't even know what to do, like and they go for it. Like I I I resonate with that the most because that's how I'm like everything I, I do in my life is like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna do it, go do it. But I know <laughs> that I have to do it, you know, no one else is gonna do it. So like I I love that like these characters are just so well like drawn out well and then you know it, I'll let you continue on, but man, it's, it's just, dude, people are sleeping on the show. <laughs> Death's kiss should be the name of this episode, really, man. It's just, it is. I I hate when people say fan service in a bad way because it's not what I'm doing here. Like this show and this season in particular, fan service because we get questions answered that we've wanted answered for so long and then we get to see storylines that we've assumed um and i don't want to say we i assumed it's going to happen because like i said you know where this is going to an extent you don't know so much how it's going to end but you know where it's going and how far it's going to go um but uh just seeing the like i said these stories kind of wrap up and these stories kind of delve deeper and then they just keep going deeper and deeper and they keep dragging you into deeper waters like i said it's it's the chef's kiss of the season the series so far um so while that's going on man we're seeing like i said that second unit of of heroes they're starting to prepare. So you're seeing Midnight talk to, to Yayorozu, and then you're seeing all of these other characters really starting to play. So they're trying to set up traps because they don't know when it's going to happen, but they do know Gigantomachia is down there. They do know something of that sort is going to happen. So they're doing the best that they can to prepare, essentially. Um, and this one, you know, as we get towards the end of this, these next couple episodes, Man, I didn't know I felt the way I felt about characters like Midnight and a lot of those characters that passed away. It was it was very hard, um, especially I'm pretty sure it might have been shown just a little bit darker in the in the manga. Um, it might have been a, maybe a little bit bloodier when they show what was it? They show her handcuffs or they would they show her mask or whatever it was when they showed her yeah. eventually passing away. Um, you know, so I can only imagine just like how much more emotionally taxing it was in the manga than it was the show. Cause like you said, they do kind of, uh, play it down just a little bit cause they do have a lot of kids watching it. So they kind of want to reach that entire audience, not just the, uh, you know, teenagers and adults and things like that. Um, but yeah, man, like the resolve that these kids have and they know they are the, once Gigantomachia is brought into the, once that chess piece, ladies and gentlemen, is brought to the table, essentially, uh, shit changes really quick and shit gets real really quick. You notice, like, just like Shigaraki's power of destruction is just never ending, it seems. The wake of what Gigantomachia leaves is, it forever changes everybody. You see PTSD in these kids. You see the struggle. You see the death. You see them trying to cope with that. And then you see, like what you were saying earlier, about you can see yourself in these characters. You can see aspects of real life in these characters. I saw that. Like, I saw them broken. I saw them devastated and destroyed. You know, I saw them just crumbling and then them coming together, man. What were some of the things you were taking from this part? Uh, this, Like I said, the second storyline of these three parts. Um, well, I, let, let me take it back just a little bit because, 
before that was the uh the Tokoyami and Hawks part. Yes. Where where Dobby uh fights Hawks. Um mm-hmm. this part was crucial because you you, you see uh, a villain die and uh, it yeah. was twice. You know, um and, and seeing twice die it hurt. Kind of kind you you see how it hurts the villains where mm-hmm. like Dobby's Dobby's his own thing but you see um toga how she reacts to that and you know when twice dies in her arms you know like i think there's it's probably later on in the in the show but the quote was like you know like i'm I'm gonna butcher this i'm paraphrasing but she says something along the lines of like you know the here how can we be villains if the heroes are doing something like this too you know doesn't that make them villains if they're the ones killing us so like that that morality like challenge right there is what I love about the villains because they 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 tell like they tell they tell it how it is like the heroes are not great either like they might mm-hmm. be fighting for their cause but what, make, what makes them different from us when we're fighting for our cause and so it, it's just a clash of ideas and, and and morales and stuff like that but you know just seeing that build up to where um how Dobby just sets up Hawks and how Dobby knew who Hawks was when he calls him by his real name. And at this point, like Hawks is like CIA, you know, he's like, no one's, no one knows who he is, but Mm -hmm. Dobby calls him by his real name. It's like, it's a big, Oh shit moment. It's like, yo, what does Dobby know? Like what, who is he? What does he know? And I think that really shook Hawks. And then you see out of the, out of the sky, Tokoyami goes in to save his, uh, his mentor. And, and this is why I I love Tokoyami too. Like, because he's, I, I I think he's severely like slept on when it comes to to, Mm -hmm. to power scaling because, you know, he relies on dark shadow. He needs darkness, but then man, like you see him break out of fat gum of all heroes and fat gum couldn't even hold him back. So, you know, Tokoyami goes in there, saves Hawks and risks his life to save his mentor, knowing that they both could die by Dobby. And, and man, it's just, that was crazy to read in the manga and to watch in the anime but uh you know it, it's I, I i liked it because you know you get you get more of dobby and mm-hmm. eventually when we get to that point it'll kind of reveal itself but back to what you brought up with the uh with midnight and uh gigantomachia and, and what they were doing i i i love the resolve of the kids man like when midnight's like yajirozu you're in charge you make the calls you know yeah. And she's not the kind of character to make calls like that. Because if you recall back in season three, um, mm-hmm. where she got nervous, when she teamed up with with uh, Shoto, like she was very nervous. Like she didn't know what to do. And, you know, she relied on someone else to be like, hey, Shoto, you make the calls. And then it wasn't until where Aizawa was kind of like playing on their weaknesses and strength there. You kind of see like Yajirozu has the leadership skills. She's just not confident. But mm-hmm. then you see her like take this role in leadership and like, hey, we this is this is what I'm making. This is what you guys need to use. Make sure all these bombs or whatever the gas things go in Gigantomachia's mouth. Do whatever it takes to stop him. And like, I like I said, I love seeing Class A and Class B work together. Like when you see them verse each other in the last season, like you get to see different quirks and different skill sets. But when you when you see them work together, man, it's just like it's like seeing the best of the best of both classes like just team up and it's it's just so it's very i, I feel like i'm a parent like praising the kids you know like you guys are doing <laughs> such a good job you know like good job it, it, it's it, you know it, it's so cool to see that like like what what initially was like a competition between class a and class b that shit didn't matter no more it was more so like this is our job we need to work mm-hmm. together and do this like there was never any animosity between these classes but you know they all they always want to one up each other in some sort of sense, but 
yeah man seeing that and then like uh i guess i mean there, there's a lot that went down because they they had to to fight off like um the liberation army and then like there was mm-hmm. also uh what's her name the um what's her name the the, the giant hero what's her name um, oh lady mountain or miss mount was yeah, it? yeah 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 mount, oh, lady mount lady mount lady, mount lady. Yeah, because she was part of that too. She could she couldn't hold back uh Gigantamachia either. So, you know, the you you had like everyone just putting their all into stopping this this one villain. And you know, you see what he did in that to that city. He ran right through that city. And absolutely. Dude, like that that kind of carnage was like like you couldn't save anyone at that point, or you couldn't save everyone at that point. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just like how can you stop this guy? And like, uh, I don't know. Am I blabbering too much? Maybe you no. want to sh- put some input in. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess I, I just wanted to get to this point of the, the episode where Kirishima and and uh, and Mina come into play. You know, because uh, Gigantamaki plays a part in their past, where you finally mm-hmm. see like, oh, so this is who Mina saw in, in the flashback of, uh, uh in the backstory of uh kirishima that was the villain she saw that she stood up to even though she was scared and then when she sees him again she recognized like his voice his look and she stops and that's where kirishima comes into clutch again and man dude like kirishima's freaking badass bro like he's like he's up there (laughs) dude i've got him uh i've got him actually sitting right here he's sitting right across from bakugo and then I've got my uh, I've got my Shigaraki up there, standing right next to Shredder, right. Um, <laughs> so it's Kirishima, dude. I've there's a few times, especially in this series, um, that I've just gotten like just fat ugly girl crying or fat ugly guy crying, whatever you want to call it, man. Um, you know, and Kirishima's been in a couple of those couple of those scenes. It's just like, especially with him and Fat Gum when they're when they're when they're fighting the villains and shit. It's just like. Bro, it it hits you so hard, and just like Tokoyami, man, I think those two characters, while they are fan favorites, I do think that they are not uh, not spoken about enough, or not talked about enough, or not brought up enough um, when it comes to people talking about this series. Because if if you know anything about anything, right? If you know anything about sports, if you know anything about TV shows like this, or comic books, or manga, you've got those people that are those one A one B type of people. But you need a lot of like C and D and B level characters. That's not so much the front of the page, but they're those background characters. You need those characters that are that are role players that you can plug and play in any position or any situation, and then they just highlight everybody around them. And that's in specific. Those what those two characters do so well. They they complement anybody in that show, anybody in that school, anybody in that fight. Man, uh, their quirks are so cool. I was really bummed when they fought, like when we're going back to 1A1B, when they had that fight and then, you know, everybody was taken out by the mushroom girl. I'm like, dude, that lady's got one of the bat, like her and that dude that was hiding in the shadows. Yeah. Um, that was going like, I was like, those two dudes are going to be villains one day, man. Those, those are some fucking scary quirks, man. Um, but yeah, man, like Kirishima, when he's climbing up Gigantomachia, man, it's just like, oh, I was like, I could feel my eyes welling up. I was like, please, every time something like that happens, I'm assuming that Kirishima is essentially going to die because I think that's going to be one of the characters that might possibly get it down towards the end of the road. Um, because I do think, like I said, he is such a, 
like for me in particular, like I've got such a soft spot in my soft spot in my heart for that character. Kaminari is the same way. It's just like really want to see those two characters succeed. So I could really see them by the end of the series, possibly not being around. I hope it's not true. Um, hopefully it's somebody else. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that that scene in particular, when you see her freeze up and then you're like, oh shit, this is how she goes. And then you see him like Wolverine just climbing yeah. up. <laughs> Dude, and then he throws it in and he hits that I'm going to be a hero type of thing. I'm like, oh, fuck, yes, going back to it, man. Let's get it. Um, and then circling back to something you had said, I completely thought the uh, Hawks and Twice thing was after the uh, the second story. I thought it was after the uh, students. Um, but that moment where Hawks knows he's going to have to take that life, you see that flash in his eyes. You see that flash in his face where it's just like, fuck. I didn't want to do this because you you see him talk about it in the latter half of the show after everything kind of settles down where he was a good dude. He was just doing everything he could to save his friends, man. He was trying to save people. And then that dichotomy or that dilemma that you see on Hawks where it's just like this guy in a different world would have been the same thing as me. But it's just like he did stuff for the bad people. He was trying to save the bad people. And the fact that like I didn't think Hawks was going to have to kill twice. Like when that happens, I'm just like I, I remember sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God. Like I look at Hayden. I'm like, he's not really dead. And before I can say he's not really dead, he's like, no, he's dead. And I'm like, Dude, <laughs> I, I I was just not like I said, I was just not expecting that to happen you know and I'm, i was super bummed and i was like i didn't even know i liked this character as much like you said it was just what horikoshi does he gets you hooked on these characters because he makes you think about them in a different way it's just not black and white there is a lot of gray through this entire show this show is a hundred percent gray it's not good and bad it's like maybe it might be a little good maybe it might be a little bad what it's good for them might be bad for somebody else so it's it's never ending it's always in flux um but yeah man like when twice went i was like oh shit and then you see dobby just capitalize on that and i'm like oh fuck hawks is gonna go too please don't do this because i actually like hawks a lot i didn't know i liked <laughs> twice as much but i like hawks a lot i know i like him and i'm i'm getting fearful for hawks at this point you know like you said tokiyama comes in and saves the day man um but as we start to transition into what comes after, uh, you know, this this part here, man, uh, what were some of your uh, what were some of your highlights from those that initial raid, uh, the initial attack with Machia and then the initial attack with the Liberation Army? I mean, just pretty much everything we spoke upon about, man, like it's yeah. just. um, I don't know, I can't really explain it because it's just at this point, like I said earlier in this in this uh, in this podcast, like it, this is all climax, you know, this is all mm -hmm. like all in like chips are in, like they're all betting on this one opportunity to mm -hmm. to change the game between the heroes and the villains. So there's so much at stake. And I think that's what it is that makes this um this arc so important is that everything's at stake at this point. Because until until the second half of the season we don't viewers don't know how this is going to turn out mm -hmm. and so like it, it's more so like man what are what are we as in the heroes what are we going to do with like with the villains who have this kind of power like not just, like it's, like i said they don't they it's not just powers that they have it's like physical manpower that they have they have the liberation army with them like they have a bunch of dudes who are willing to die for like the cause of shikaraki and mm -hmm. and uh all the other villains so you know, it, it's it's just a big like up in the air kind of thing, and then you know, 
um I, I guess just seeing how the students like take like how they absorb this kind of like information you know you mentioned something about like ptsd or some sort of trauma like dude these these are we, we forget that these are high school kids like you know yes. so imagine being like 15 16 you're on the job like this with like real heroes you know it's mm-hmm. like, like that kind of that that kind of like i guess you could say like that kind of taking in that kind of like moment or being a part of something very uh adrenaline rushed or something like that like it, it's it, it could either make or break a kid you know and yeah and seeing the, these these young heroes go through this and seeing what the what real life is and not and not just this slice of life high school let's go play and practice our quirks mm-hmm. that life and death is is real and that it's on the line and are you going to fight for it or are you going to hide you know so it, it's it really tests the character the true characteristics of of the the ua students especially the ua students and um you know i, I think uh a part where toga kind of like challenges Udaraka, like mm-hmm. um I, I could be forgetting some major points, but like just seeing her like kind of challenge Udaraka and you see that they both are fighting for the cause that they believe in. And then, you know, yeah. uh, Toga just leaves like that, you know, so it kind of like you kind of see that, you know, there are you see both sides of the of the same coin, essentially. Absolutely, man. You see the yin and you see the yang, man. So yeah. it was it was interesting to see that both of their convictions were so strong either for or against one another. Yeah. But the fact that they were both unwavering in their, in their beliefs, I I just, like I said, it's, I'm blown away that this, this kind of feeling can be elicited out of me just by something that's fictitious, right? Something that's not real. You know, I know it's fake. It's animated as a cartoon. It's, you know, like everything on paper, you're just like, fuck, dude. It's just like, why should I care? And then they give you a reason to care every single episode, every piece of dialogue, every scene, they give you a reason to care because you can feel the characters caring, right? And I guess you, you wrapped it up in some, you surmised it really well. It, it's just, it was such a beautiful moment. And then, like I said, you see the destruction, you see the devastation they're left with, you see the uncertainty on so many of these people's faces. And then pressure does one of two things, either bust pipes or it makes diamonds. It creates a diamond. And you see a lot of people, a lot of the heroes deflated after this initial first arc, the first half of the season. And we'll get to that in just a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, but it's just, it was so interesting to see what despair looked like. And you, you could look at it and you could tell without any kind of words, without seeing anything before you could look at these characters and it was like, you ever seen that movie Saving Private Ryan? Yes. So that initial first five minutes is the craziest five minutes I've ever seen of something, right? So bombs are going off. Dudes are getting like their hearing lost. People are blowing up and getting shot to death in front of them. And all this shit happened in real life, ladies and gentlemen. So it's just like seeing all of that. But then they're putting that on 16-year-old kids in an animated show. You're just like, holy shit. Like you said, this is the climax, but this is... This is when shit gets real and shit gets even realer, ladies and gentlemen. And so we're going to transition into, you know, Shigaraki's out. You know, he's finally just laid waste. He's looking for Deku, essentially. And it's what, Aizawa, it's Deku, it's Bakugo's there, uh, you know, Endeavor's there. And then Shigaraki, um, not in full form because, you know, he did get woken up just a little earlier than, than what they had anticipated and expected. 
Um, so he's not at full capacity just yet, but he's hitting on all cylinders. And this fight sequence, this felt like Dragon Ball Z, but without Dragon Ball Z, how it was stretched out so many episodes. Everybody was powering up. Everybody was fighting. I was more emotionally attached to this than probably anything else that I've seen. Well, no, that's not true because I watched Attack on Titan this year. But I was. this is one of those things where I was so emotionally attached to. And like I felt like I didn't blink. Like by the time I felt like Izawa, my eyes were needed. I needed eye drops <laughs> in my eyes. Dude, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, so when this this fight sequence is going on, man, uh, what are some of the like the first thoughts for you seeing this? It's like, oh shit, this is really happening now. Dude, I this this is the the part of the the show that I was waiting the most to get animated yeah. because, you know, you, you see that Shigaraki is. Like again, he he knows he's his resolve is there. He knows what he wants. He knows what he has to do to be the ultimate villain, I guess, or to to make his dream or his vision come true. Mm-hmm. And Deku's the one that's in his way. And so, um, seeing Shigaraki just like you know, kind of like antagonize Deku and even like you know, emotionally test him too, and, and just you, you see that Deku is like, oh man. I can't let this guy near anyone that I'm yeah. trying to save or any of the pro heroes because if I'm there, he's gonna kill everyone around me just mm-hmm. to get to me. So that's why they split off. And then um just just seeing that, like, you know, Deku, now that he has more quirks, he's been working on his other quirks. You you see that his training is paying off too. But then man, like it is such a tough fight because because I guess Sh- Shigaraki's decay decay quirk is such a like he's like the kobe bryant of his quirks like you know that's the biggest the biggest issue that you're going to be facing when you're fighting shigaraki so they have to find a way to isolate that quirk and just seeing that they took all those pro heroes and even like i love how they did aizawa like they they made they use aizawa and then they had the guy with the water quirk to like keep his eyes hydrated you know so i love (laughs) little details like that so that's that's the only way to stop his decay quirk you know so um Man, it, it was just I, I can't put it to words, man. It's just you see the uh the sense of urgency there and you just see that you like like Shigaraki's not like just he's not talking no more. You know, because yeah. every time he ran into, into Deku, it was always like a threat. You know, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. keep, keep you keep this up, you know, eventually we're gonna cross paths. He's not threatening no more. He he's he's gonna go and kill. Absolutely, man. And and one thing that uh while you were saying that it made me think of, it's just like this isn't quirk versus quirk anymore. You know what I mean? This yeah. is will versus will. This is all this is. This is who is going to last longer. Who is essentially going to break their bodies to a point where they are no longer in existence? Who is going to take it literally and figuratively plus ultra? And they both go plus ultra. And one thing I really wish that we would have talked about before we rolled right into the uh, into the the this season was the intro to this this season man this is probably as far as aesthetically goes this isn't my favorite song for the for the season um it's probably like two or three seasons ago for the first part i'd have to go back and like really pinpoint it in but as far as the animation goes for the intros for these you see deku putting out his hand and then the essential little scared kid that was shigaraki that was tomura getting jettisoned out of the body that he is ultimately in now and you see deku trying to help this kid and ladies and gentlemen that'll come up down the road um but perfect foreshadowing in this in this intro but like i said seeing seeing deku literally go 
blow for blow, hand for hand, quirk for quirk with Shigaraki during this time. This is one of this is probably my favorite fight sequence in any anime, with the exception of the Cell Sug. I, th- I still think that's pretty god tier in itself. Um, however, this is also 20 years down the road now. Uh, so this one probably thus far is one of the best fight sequences, one of the most things that I've been so just invested in, both physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, seeing them finally, you know, come to blows. I mean, I'm 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 transported back when Shigaraki's literally tapping his finger on Deku's neck a few seasons back and he's like that's yeah. all it takes is just me wrap this last finger around your neck and then you're done and then now he doesn't even have to use his hands it's just like all right man that side's done that side's done and like you said that little detail of just Aizawa my favorite teacher getting the eye drops in his eyes man or the water just so he's completely lubricated and hydrated so he doesn't have to blink so spot on um when <laughs> when this when this fight sequence is going on you know, you'll see Endeavor come in. You'll see Shoto eventually come in. You'll see Bakugot come in. Um, do you think the the fight sequence, was it was it trimmed down at all? Was it just as long? Was it a little bit longer in the manga than it was in the anime? Did they stretch it out a little bit in the show? or? Uh, I, th- I think they stretched out a little bit in the anime. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I I, I read the, the the manga first. So my initial feelings when I read the manga, I, I think I was more uh, invested in the manga versus the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, because like not because because reading the manga, I know now I know what's gonna happen next. It's just more yeah. so like seeing how they're gonna animate it. So it, my emotions were more into the manga. Like it was just like when you're turning the pages or you know scrolling through the pages, mm-hmm. it's just like a big oh shit moment. It's like yo, this is what's happening. Oh man, this is what's yeah. happening. And then you know in the anime, like it's just to see what can they do differently. Like do they add more? You know, I guess what are the sound effects like, or do they add more fight scenes or like we were saying before we recorded, like, you know, with Demon Slayer, they added a bit more to the fight scenes because they had the budget to do it. So yeah, does the animation or the animation team do that with uh with my hero? But it was pretty like spot on. It's just um mm-hmm. I, I I guess had I not read the manga, I think I probably would have been more hyped about it, but still nonetheless, like I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to reading it and catching up. Um well getting to a point where I don't have to, uh, you know, speculate what's coming next really. So I'm getting that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this, this, this is what I love because you know, what's coming next and I don't. So it's, it's very interesting on like when you break down in an episode, it's like watching a show two and three times, right? After the first time you're watching it through, you're definitely looking for something else. Like did something happen in the background when this was going on? Did they say something that I might, might not have picked up? You know, so like I said, you've got a little bit of a heads up than than most people do because you're reading it. But you get to also absorb more details and then you're bringing more details that I might have forgotten or I just looked away or looked past because I'm watching it. All these pretty lights going on You know, these fights are happening. This, this you see, like I said, it's will versus will now at this point. It's 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 them throwing hands and who's going to win. Um, and like I said, you'll see Endeavor come in and then Deku starts, like you said, realize that if I have any of these people near me, Shigaraki's going to kill them just to get to me. That's how petty Shigaraki is. Yeah. He's just going to kill everybody just to get what he wants, man. And one of those moments where I literally jumped off the couch, man, um, Bakugo jumping in front, not realizing it, pulling a move that Deku did to save Bakugo so long ago. Um, and ends up getting sliced up by old Shigaraki. Ladies and gentlemen, spoiler alert. Like I said, this is all my hero spoilers at this point. Um, but him jumping in front, saving Deku, 
dude, that hit me so goddamn hard. I was not ready for it. Like, this is one of those scenes, like I said, brought me to tears. There's two parts in this one that brought me to tears, but that one in particular, did it hit you as hard as it hit me? I know you were expecting it, but did it get you in the feels? Dude, when the manga <laughs> I can tell it is. <laughs> when the manga dropped for that part, man, like, I made sure I, I read it before anyone spoiled it because that mm-hmm. was that was like one of the chapters that like if you didn't read it, you're going to see it in comments on Facebook. You're going to see it on Instagram stories. You're going to see it on Twitter trending. You know, so I made sure I woke up before the chapter dropped. And then when it did drop on time, I read it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm just glad I read it before people did because. Um, a lot of like my Facebook friends or like Instagram people that I follow, like they were like, "Oh my God, this is what happened!" You know, they'll, they'll like spoiler alert, but then it's a big old picture of what what's been spoiled, yeah. so you, you can't like you can't save your eyes can't from, hide it, but, from it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, dude, it was just I I guess the lead up to that too because like um, it wasn't really Shigaraki that did it, but it was all for one. Yes, because because Endeavor does the prominence burn attack and burns the living shit out of Shigaraki. And he stabs Endeavor too, you know, and my heart dropped at that part because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're seeing Deku up in the sky. Like he knows, like, I cannot drop these people on the ground. The moment we touch the ground, Shigaraki is going to use his quirk because apparently he can't use his quirk in the air. He has to touch something, you know, so um, Deku's going all out, you know, doing all his smash moves, Detroit, Texas, North Carolina, whatever state he's mm-hmm. throwing at, at Shigaraki. And you just see Deku like, like I, I, this is where like I have a a, a little love hate with Deku because when Deku gets emotional he doesn't think no more he, he doesn't care anymore and that's what like Bakugo calls him out on all the time too yeah where like he's tearing his body apart just to make sure everyone's safe and you know I, I love this little part where where Bakugo's like hey uh Shoto use your ice cool down your dad I'm gonna blast this up there and endeavor you take him and you finish him off you know like Bakugo's already like making these big plays in his mind yes. and and when it gets to that point like i said where where all for one does prominence burn he gets stabbed he drops out the sky and then all for one attacks deku and you know i there's like the, the little quote there he where uh, bakugo says like you know um all of a sudden my body moved on its own you know like yes essentially like that's like the essence of every my hero character like that's what all might was trying to teach these kids like you once you move on your own without thinking like that's that's what makes you a hero and we see that you know all this time bakugo even though he's a dick to deku he has hero instincts and man just seeing that and then like you see you know in because of the anime and the manga ended off that same way too where it just like you know he gets stabbed and cut off you know like cliffhanger into the next next episode um but yeah man like that that was a very gut-wrenching scene like i i didn't i guess my my theory on it before we found out what happened after was like could he possibly be dead you know because mm-hmm. you don't know what horikoshi would do and of course this is very um kid i, I don't want to say kid friendly but it's geared towards a younger audience so is it would would horikoshi even consider killing off a character that's as 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 important as Bakugo, you know. So that is like a big play. So I I think that the anime and the manga did that so well, you know, just to, to give the the viewers a heart attack, <laughs> especially dude. especially Bakugo fans. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, man, it hit me like I'm trying to 
I'm trying to hold it back now because I'm putting myself back in that spot and, uh, you know, seeing that for the first time. And then I remember just like looking away really quick because I, I had my dogs. I had my dogs right next to me and I remember just petting. And it's like right before that 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 moment happens where he gets stabbed. And then as I'm looking up, I'm seeing him float towards Deku. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, fuck, no. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm standing at this point, scared the shit out of all of my dogs around me. I'm pretty sure I woke up everybody in the house, excluding Hayden, because he was sitting right next to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I am going through the seven stages of, of uh, what's it called, of loss or whatever it is. Like, and all of them are hitting all at once. Like, I'm seeing... Like my favorite student, like my, at the end of the day, if I had to choose just one, it's Baka Goat, hands down, man. He he's he is such a. We've had so many talks about Baka Goat in particular on the many episodes we've done together, but like his character development, his character growth, his character arcs is second to none in my opinion, man. And seeing that scene, it literally, I felt like I was getting cut, like Baka Goat was getting cut, man. It, it hurt and it cut real deep. And then I was lucky enough and I, it sucked the next day because I was extremely tired at work, but I had one episode because we were a week behind. So I looked at Hayden and I'm like, I don't give a shit if you go to school late tomorrow. I'm, I can't go to work late tomorrow, but we're watching this next episode. It's like 1130 at night. I've got to be up at 330. I didn't give a shit. So we're playing the next one. And then I think we probably cut it off like 10 minutes into it when they say, or 15 minutes, whatever it was, or it might not even been that whole episode. I think they might've skipped that episode. Um, and then the following episode is when you kind of see Bakugo get picked up off the ground, Shoto taking him off. I can't remember how it really played out, but I remember there being a little bit of time. You're not knowing 100% like if Bakugo was, a dead or, uh, was dead or alive. But yeah, man, that scene in particular, and then you see Deku go apeshit. You see him yeah. just literally go balls to the wall, man. Uh, like I said, it's they did everything and then some with that scene to me. I, I felt like I probably lost a good five to six years off of my life. <laughs> Just by just how hurt and shocked and, and scared I was to see Bakugo possibly dying, man. And obviously, ladies and gentlemen, Bakugo, uh, he doesn't he doesn't die in this in this season. This uh, like I said, I hope he doesn't die at all. But, uh, you know, he doesn't die. Eventually, you know, he gets helped off and carted off. And then, you know, you'll see a toss up or not a toss up. Excuse me. You see um, uh, both Shigaraki and uh, Deku brought into do they ever say what it is? Was it alternate dimension? Like, obviously, they're all in there. What is it? Uh, uh, all for one. I, I, one for I all. I want to say it's like, it's the, it's, I don't want to say it's a dimension, but it's like, it's in like the realm of their quirk, like the one for yeah. all quirk. Uh, because one for all initially came from all for one. He gave it to his brother and then his brother mm -hmm. passed it on to the other uh, vestiges of the quirk. But then it, it was more so that All for One made contact with Deku. Mm -hmm. And because he was trying to take the quirk, that's where the wielders of One for All stopped him. They're like, yo, we're like, we're not letting you this take this happening. quirk, man. Yeah. yeah. This <laughs> so <laughs> um, but you know, you, you get to see like um the in I guess you you get to see what's inside Deku's mind too. You know, like he sees the first wielder and then you see um uh Nana Shimura, you know, the shigaraki's grandma you know all my mm -hmm. teacher you see her come in you know and you kind of see that all for one and shigaraki their body is not ready to take that quirk because physically all for one's not there he's still in the the tartarus prison it's just mm -hmm. his mind that's in, that's in shigaraki you know so 
you kind of see that they're it's like a battle of minds sort of you know I, I think of like you watch the episode of south park where eric was like where cartman's like having the the mind powers and he's going off with yeah like the other yeah it's kind of like that you know <laughs> so that's, yeah that's what i think of it, it's like that but um yeah it, it's just more so you kind of see like just that those characters mm-hmm. and they're being introduced and stuff like that so um i thought in the manga it was a lot better than the anime the anime made, made it really short but I mean, yeah. compared to the what you read, it is pretty short too. But it's just, um, I expected a, I guess I expected a little bit more from the anime, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter because what comes after that is way better. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. And we're gonna we're gonna jump. Uh, we'll probably skip a couple details here, man. Uh, but we'll uh, after this one, after they they come into and meet all the vestiges, and then more quirks are opened up. You know, we're gonna flash forward just a little bit and then we start seeing you know what i've called probably since what season were they attacked in in the forest when they were training was that season two season three season three season three you know and you get to meet dobby i think for the first time there maybe somewhere around there you get to meet Mm -hmm. dobby um and for the longest time and hayden wasn't you know too caught up on the books at that time i was like man he looks awfully a lot like Todoroki I mean I don't know what it is I don't know if it's the eyes I don't know if it's just the facial features or just what his body was but the fact that he was fired and you don't see that too often um in in heroes that quirk and then I was like man I really wonder and then as it started progressing more and more and more I'm like man I really think he's a part of the Todoroki family um and then you like I said you it's spoiler it man it's it's revealed that uh this is Toya you know um Endeavor's oldest son um the only thing that I did not like I thought I was going to sneeze for a second. Uh, the only thing that I did not like about this entire part right here with uh, Dobby was the whole Kevin Bacon. What was that dancing movie? Shit. Footloose. I can't. Footloose. Thank you. That whole <laughs> Footloose scene on Gigantomachia. I was like, dude, you just made yourself look horrible. Why would you do this? You're such a badass character. Why are you dancing? What is going on? Like, that's the only thing I didn't like. You know, I like the whole reveal. Um, he he had like the secret tape that was leaked and everything like that. You really got to see um, Endeavor essentially break mm-hmm. uh, mentally and emotionally. And then you think this character that is so grizzled, so hardened, yet he's trying to change to be better for his family. And then you, like I said, you see that man snap. You see his whatever was left of his psychology or whatever was left of his mental capabilities just dissipate from him. You know, I was blown away when it happened, but I, I kind of knew it was going to be, you know, a Todoroki. Um, but I was completely blown away with how I felt towards Endeavor because I already liked that character so much. I think he's just like Bakugo, man, such a great character arc, such a great character development. And then you see another thread essentially woven into this. And I'm just like, holy shit, this just got even more real, man. I mean, what were some of the things that, that you know, that brought out that uh, little part of that story arc brought out for you? There's a lot that came out because um, you, you mentioned the how you, you were theorizing that he was a Todoroki. Like um, one thing that I guess I learned from watching anime, especially from one of my my late cousin, he he told me like he was like, if you want to know if a character or characters are, I guess, family, most of the time, it's the eyes. And so yeah. when you go back and look at season three, where they initially run into Dobby in the league first, um, you remember when, when Bakugo was the little bead from the mm-hmm. magician villain? Yeah. And Dobby snatches it. Like Dobby's like 
oh, like it's too bad, Shoto. Like he calls him by his name, you know, yeah. and you see like the you see their eyes, they're like because Dobby has the blue eyes like Endeavor, and then Shoto has one eye that's blue, like Endeavor. So you mm-hmm. kind of see that that comparison there, you know? And uh just to to see that this reveal, the reveal, I, I thought it was better in the manga because like the dancing part. It's in a panel, so you're not like seeing him twirl around, you know. So yeah, uh, in the anime, look I was as like, douchey. Yeah, because <laughs> like reading it, he was giving me like Joker kind of vibes. Yes. Like he's like laughing and like taunting Endeavor, you know, like this is, this is all your sins, and we're all gonna burn in hell together, type of deal, you know. And like, man, just to see Endeavor like snap, and, and I think the part that got me the most was he was like he was telling. Like he was trying to say to Dobby, he's like, I, I looked for you in that forest. Like I was trying to, like he, it was never like, like you see that Endeavor never hated his kids. He it was just like he he wanted to be the best so bad that the consequences of his actions like came back to to bite him in the ass. And this is exactly what it was. All that karma came back. And he, mm-hmm. man, just like I guess just just seeing how especially hearing the voice actor like say it to you you can you can hear and 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 feel the the sadness and regret that endeavor has he's, he's like man if i didn't do this to toya like none of this would be happening right now and Absolutely. just to see him like like be emotionally broken and then shoto man like I, shoto uh for for the ones who don't watch sub shoto is also voiced by uh yuki kaji who plays aaron in attack on titan and his emotional range as a voice actor is one of my favorites because when Shoto's like, dad, get up. Like we can, we have to deal with this later. Like we have to deal with this right now. Like snap out of it. And he's freaking out. Like, dude, even in the manga, I was re- I was like tearing up reading it because y- you see that like, even because like, Shoto's crying too. Like he, he, he can't, he, he's like, dude, this is my big brother, man. Like this, this is someone who I thought was dead all these mm-hmm. years. And he's come back to hurt us. It's, it's like, Shoto's trying to tell us that like this family shit can wait. Like this is right now. We gotta get up and do something right now because Baku goes down, Deku is down. You know, like there, who's gonna help us when when we're surrounded? Because not just Dobby is there, it's Gigantomachia and like all, the rest of the league's there. And man, like that was such a like not tough scene, but it was such an emotional like like the meme like emotional damage. You know, emotional damage. Yeah. You know, like it's <laughs> like it was like that. You know, it, it's just seeing like how all that just hit the heroes at once because like you think it's already bad enough that we got to see Bakugo and Deku get hurt like that and they're out of play and now the villain showed up it's just like kicking you while you're down and it, it just mm-hmm. it was so like gut-wrenching and they did it so well. <laughs> yeah it was definitely a kick in the dick for sure and then that that scene with him coming back like dad come on get up type of thing yeah that was like that hit me differently because i was i'm a dad right so seeing that and then i just get transported into endeavor's position right and my kid telling me to get up and then that's like the first time Shoto looked back and needed his dad and his dad was not there. That's why that that scene in particular hits so hard, man. Um, such a such a beautiful little arc, man. And uh, you know, like I said, it's just seeing Shoto get burnt up the way he did is like, oh fuck, here's another. They just kept coming with the hits. I was like, Jesus Christ, they're gonna take out all of these goddamn kids that I like. Stop it, <laughs> or Koshi, please stop. Quit fucking with my emotions so much, you know. But um, you know, so we see we see that happen, and then you know, we get the reveal that best genus comes back, right? Yep. And 
you know, not to not to overshadow best genus. I think I actually texted you uh, when it happened, but you see a blur go by the screen when all of this shit is going on. Brother, that dude, I was. So here's the thing. And this is what I was alluding to earlier when I said I wanted to fight my 13 year old. Right. On multiple occasions, you want to fight a 13 year old almost every day when you become a parent. But (laughs) Hayden is actually in. The kitchen and he, he's grabbing a drink or he's grabbing a snack he might have been grabbing popcorn or something like that and then i see it and i see the fucking color scheme and i'm like holy shit and he's like what happened i was like get out of here quick and then i rewound it and then i was like do you see that he was like no and so i did it again and i was like dude that was a blur and he was and he still didn't he, i don't know what it was going on with him right so we get to the episode and i was like dude this is what the blur was it it, it, it was lamelia and he was like yeah, I know. I already read ahead of this. And I'm like, dude, this is exactly why nobody likes kids. I was like, that's the reason right there. Why are you shitting on my parade? I'm so, I'm like happy tears at this point because we finally get Lamelian back, ladies and gentlemen. I was so fucking pumped to see our boy Rico Fajardo stepping back onto the screen and permeating through everybody, man. This was like one of, like when I think of highlights of this series, this is probably like my favorite like uh my favorite moment but it was like my favorite highlight or my favorite like hey you're getting this character that was so emotionally gut-wrenched when he lost his quirk when you see him last and he's literally protecting eerie and he's taking this bullet and then he's got these spikes coming through him and you see the devastation on him and the fact that he gave everything and then you see him lose everything and then you see him come back and i'm like let's fucking go i was so pumped to see this I was like a little kid watching the movie in a theater, dude. I was like in my living room and I was watching it with my with my uh with my cousin's girlfriend. She watches my hero too. And I was like clapping my head. I was applauding. I was like, yo, let's fucking go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like I the thing is like I already know what happens, right? I, I know this happens in yeah. the manga. But then like I, I guess the part where they show his cape, mm-hmm. I don't I uh listeners or viewers, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's in the manga, like because they because in the manga, it was just like you, you see the the big like moments, and then yeah, you see like the fights, and the, and the genus is like using his quirk and all that stuff, tying down uh, Gigantamaki. But then you, in the manga, you see his face come up. Mm-hmm. That's where his reveal is. But in the anime, excuse me, in the anime, when you see him fly by, dude, dude, I if I, I was table, like, I would have flipped it, dude. I I was like, because I don't know, I. I as a fan of Lamillion, I was just like geeking out. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I was like, why why did they have to show him like that too? I wish in my my only complaint is I wish they just showed him immediately. Like like yeah. out of nowhere. You know, that little tease with his with his uh cape that was cool and all, but like that that kind of like already solidifies to the viewer like he's back, you know. But I wish mm-hmm. it was more so like a su- surprise cameo where all this intensity is coming and then you just Boom! You see him power, you know, just like yeah. holy shit! Like I, I thought that would have been a much more like amazing reveal, but nonetheless, man, seeing the best boy come back, mm-hmm. dude, like I, I, it, it gets so hard to decide if I like Bakugo more or Lamillion more, you know, because it is because like because you know we both had the 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 opportunity to speak with, with Rico, and so like that makes me like Lamillion that much more. Mm-hmm. Um and so like just to see him come back and and just you know with the big smile and then like fight off the nomus and I'm yes. like, dude like make this make him the main character man like make Lamillion the main character because he is like dude that was I I'm stuttering now like that's how excited I got watching him come back like it was 
that was the highlight for me of that season. That guy, that was the part I, out of everything that I watched this past season, that was what I wanted to see the most was to see him come back because he deserved it. He, Lamillion deserves all that shine to come back. Mm-hmm. He deserves all the praise, all the shine, but one of the best characters. Absolutely, man. While DC fans might not get a Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill or Henry Cavill, however you say his last name, we did get a Man of Steel 2 essentially when we saw our boy Lemillion pop right back up center screen. And then the fact that he's like, oh, somebody help me. I fucking loved it because he's, you know, he's been out of action for so long. The last time we see him. And this is one of my favorite moments of Lemelian is when he, you know, obviously he's, he doesn't have his powers, but he's helping the 1A students. And then he's standing on a ledge and it's like, oh, you have to save all these people. And he's like, oh, no, here I go. I'm falling again, yeah. saluting <laughs> as he's falling over. It's just I love this character because what I love about Bakugo is the fact that I'm so like I want to say I'm so much like Bakugo because I do have that 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 trigger temper like Bakugo. But. If you're on my side, I'm going to die for you. I am going to put myself in the way to to drag us, whatever it is. Like, I am that guy through and through. But I see Lemelian, right? And he's everything I want to be. He's always smiling, even when there's nothing to smile about. He's always going to be that face that somebody looks to when it's bleakest. They're looking for that All Might smile, right? You know, it's... There's something so special about that character. I can't wait to see what happens with him because, you know, that was the only time we really get to see, you know, Lemillion in the season. And it's they had the Hulk effect in that in the in the Marvel movies. Right. Why was the Hulk so fantastic is because you saw him this much in everything. You only saw him when it was break class in need of like it was like you needed that axe. You needed that fire extinguisher for that fire. It was break glass in case of Lemillion, break glass in case of Hulk. And that's what we got just enough to be like, oh, shit, it's going to go down. And that whole fight sequence, we'll skip over a little bit because, like I said, we got an entire second arc to get through. Um, But (laughs) that that fight sequence and seeing our boy pop back up, man, I could not have been happier where I was devastated with Bakugot. I was so elated to see him come back. If I would have had a dining room table or a, a a a table in my living room, I would have flipped that son of a bitch through the window. I was so happy to see our boy come back, man. Um, so as we're rotating from this one, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see just the pure devastation that is left in the wake of these villain and heroes clashing. You know, you see, we kind of cut over like Aizawa literally cutting his leg off because he gets hit with that bullet. That was another gut wrenching moment for me. Because oh yeah. We forgot favorite. to bring that up. And then yeah. Shigaraki uh, touches his face. Yes. Yeah, scratches his oh. face and takes his eye brother. When I, when I saw that, I'm like, that was the first time probably since all might's flame getting extinguished and then Bakugo getting sliced up, like probably an episode or so before I was like, Oh shit, please don't take this guy. Because like I said, for the longest time, like when you first introduced to this dude, we talked about on my first episode, I thought he was a stoner. He rolls in <laughs> in a sleeping bag. He's got a Capri sun. I was like, this is my people. This is what I'm here for. Right. And then you fall in love with this guy because he's so hard on these kids that he's training these kids because he knows what's outside these walls. He's making sure these kids are absolutely ready for war because that's exactly what they're going to go through. And sure as shit, here we are four seasons later, five seasons later, whatever it is, and they're going to war with the League of Villains. Um, So, you know, we see him cut his leg off. We see him taken away. We see, like I said, just the devastation and destruction. Um, We see. uh, Not to cut you off. Uh, Gran Torino, too. Gran Torino got hurt. That one was tough. Him getting stomped, and I'm like, oh, fuck. 
And then for the longest time, I was wondering, we'll get to this in just a second, but I was wondering where that, I was like, why does that yellow seem so familiar that Deku is wearing? And then obviously it gets, it gets brought up, but you know, you see the heroes broken. You see the people, just the regular day-to-day people broken. You see students broken. You see people second guessing what they did was right. What they did was wrong. You see so much doubt. That was one thing that they doubt and despair should have been the name of this show because that's what you see through every single person. You see what war would really be like if if that was real life. You would see what would happen, the after effects, the aftermath of something devastating like that happening to an entire culture, to an entire people, you know. So I felt like they hit that I don't want to keep hitting on post-traumatic stress, but you see that within these characters. You see them sh- shooken to the core of their beliefs. And then what we said earlier, man, pressure does one of two things, bust pipes or builds diamonds. And you see a lot of diamonds getting built out of this. You also see a lot of busted pipes throughout the series too, after the aftermath of this war. Um, And like I said, we're going to see a lot of these guys end up in the hospital. A lot of them wrapped up trying to recover from their, from their injuries. Deku is obviously uh, in a coma. He's going through uh, the alternate dimension or, you know, he's talking with the previous holders, um, you know, so he's, he's trying to figure out, he's learning more about these quirks, um, you know, from, from one for all. And, uh, you know, we kind of see him wake up and then he leaves UA, he leaves everybody with a note saying, Hey, I'm going for, away from UA because all for one's last words to him were now it's your turn. And that is one of the most foreboding sentences. One of the most foreboding or forbidding foreboding. That's the right word phrases that I've ever seen. It's like, that's terrifying. That shakes Deku to his core. And he knows if he stays in UA, ladies and gentlemen, that nobody is safe. So he does what he thinks is right. And he leaves UA. Um, you know, did, I don't know if this was just a thing that was going around on the internet. Maybe you can clarify this one, but was he actually called dark Deku? I know a lot of people were talking, uh, you know, through Facebook and shit. I saw dark Deku. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I preferred Vigilante Deku over yeah. Dark Deku. I, th- I think the whole Dark De- Deku thing was more so like his emotional state and just how yeah. he looked. Because he does yeah, look more like He was an emo like kid a, for sure. Yeah, he does look more like a, like a anti-hero, I guess. Um, but yeah, excuse me. Uh, I, I would prefer Vigilante Deku just because he's not like with UA at this time. Like he's still mm-hmm. under, he's fighting outside of UA. But, uh. Yeah, just like to pick up from this, uh, from the aftermath of just this war, right? So like you, you see that Deku is definitely shook, but like it's also like when you see, you know, it, it's just you see what Offer One does to him mentally, like mm-hmm. like the same thing he did to All Might. He's he's fucking with Deku this that same way. Oh yeah, he he knows like. Oh, you're an emotional person too. So I, all I gotta do is just talk smack to you, and you just get mad, mm-hmm. you know. So like, all for one knows what he's doing. He he knows yes. that he he has to antagonize this, this kid to come out, so that he 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 can try to get him. But then at the same time, the heroes don't really know, like they don't know what they're like. They don't know what they're each other strategizing because after like, right when Deku leaves, you know, you kind of see that all for one is already plotting. You know, he, he mm-hmm. knows like, okay, so Shigaraki. We got his body that just get out, you know, because he's already beat up. We got to get him out, let him recover so that potentially he can try to take over his body. But when when Deku leaves and like it, it was just you see the aftermath of him, 
Bakugo and, and Shoto, man. Like even when even after Bakugo got hurt, which I love the scene too. He's like, "You better not die of me, man, because yes, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm kill gonna you. be the one that kills you." <laughs> and like you see Mineta and Saro try to hold him back, you know, and mm-hmm. like, like Bakugo, you're supposed to be in the hospital bed. You can't be walking around, you know. You got you just got stabbed, you know. Like you gotta chill out, and it's just a lot of these little things that like that are that 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 is pretty much the aftermath of this, and then um. Yeah, even like with with the uh with with Shoto and 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 uh his father, you know, like just how they kind of resolved to be like, right? Our 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 main mission is to to stop Dobby, you know, like like when his family finally comes together after all these years to finally agree on something, you know, and and it's just a lot of these res- re- resolutions come about, and then um you know you you brought up uh Zaku like when he wakes up from the vestiges, you know, that, that meeting was important because like that in that meeting of, of the other holders, you see that Deku is also being tested on. Like, are you mm-hmm. willing to kill him? Are you willing to kill Shigaraki? Because that's, that might be something you have to do as a hero, not just for, not just for the people, but because of his powers, because it's all for one. Are you, and even like, uh, Nana Shimura is like, can you, she's and especially out of all the, the holders she's the one that asks him and requests him like can you kill him like if you have to can you kill him and you know Deku being you know the the pinnacle of like plot armor he's like no I'm not gonna kill him I'm gonna mm-hmm. try to save him and yeah you, you kind of see that the, the holders are like we, we got the right one you know we, we got the we got the best choice to to, yeah. to give this power to that's where they kind of like start opening up their more of their powers to him because you know, you kind of you also learn that like one for all, because it's been so compiled and Deku hasn't used any of those quirks, they're all just like releasing all at once now mm-hmm. because it, it's if he, I don't want how how can I say this like it's it's kind of like if you don't use it you lose it kind of deal yeah. so like they they kind of tell him like you have to use these powers and your emotions are attached to these powers too so when you're angry, your powers are not going to be controlled. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna be harder to control your powers, so they're the vestiges are also helping Deku develop and grow with his quirks, but then you also see the two in the back, which is number two and number three, and you know th- those guys are, I already know what their quirks are, um, and, and it's just like you, you see that, you know these these holders are also like trying to learn or trying to learn, but also know who Deku is inside and out because pretty much their lives are or their their subconscious their power is in his hands and mm-hmm. you also learned that um you also learned like the the truth of one for all right because the reason why his body wor- works with one for all was because he was quirkless and mm-hmm. and you, you learned that the lifespan of these heroes was cut short because they already had quirks so they used the analogy of like the cup like you pour more water into a half empty cup it's going to spill and mm-hmm. so, like, that's what it was. And I, I love that analogy. And then you kind of, people forget, like, All Might was quirkless, too. So, like, I, one of my cousins was like, like, how did All Might survive? It's like, yeah, because he was quirkless. Like, he, mm-hmm. he didn't have a quirk. He was lucky, too. You know, so you kind of, they kind of reveal that Deku could possibly be the last wielder of this quirk. Like, because now that the world is, you know, there's more kids being born with quirks and all that, he might be the last one to have it, you know? And, and so, it's just a lot of these minor minor important details that come about and then that's where they kind of like get to where Deku leaves. He leaves Yuei with like uh Endeavor, Best Genus, then Hawks. Dude, what a lineup too to leave with, man. I mean the fact that it's uh, like all star team, bro. <laughs> bro, 
That's the starting five that's going to yeah. win any championship right there. I mean, yeah. one thing, and then I, I don't know if we'll really go in sequential order. We might just, you know, talk about our favorite parts for the second half mm-hmm. because there is, there's so much that goes on. I mean, we've already been going for, you know, probably about an hour and a half now. Um, there's so much that happens in the second half of the show, uh, the second half of the season, excuse me. That is like in itself, you could take each episode and probably just delve an hour into it. Because like I said, you see Deku leave. You see him team up with the guys you just said. You see him Hawks, Best Genus, Endeavor. You know, you see him knowing they're trying to fish out all uh what was it? Um one for all. No, nope, all for one. Uh you see him trying to fish out them in the, in the rest of the league. You see them trying to understand. Then you see the prisons getting broken out and then all of these villains being released. You see the civilians arming themselves because they know in their hearts or they feel like in their hearts that they can no longer count on the heroes that were there, the heroes that were protecting the sectors and the cities that they were in, the jurisdictions they were in. A lot of them have just closed up shop and then went home. You see a lot of these guys retiring, a lot of these gals retiring and just fading into existence because, like I said, that morality, they were broken after this attack. They saw the devastation that was left in the wake of Shigaraki being awakened. Um, you know, so it it's it's such a fascinating second half because getting like this entire second part, you're dealing, like I said, with the emotions of what comes next. How do we rebuild? How, where do we go from here? We know that we can't go blow for blow with Shigaraki. It just won't happen. So how do we start putting ourselves in the position? Not to mention the fact that every single villain that has ever been put away is essentially out, you know? And what I liked about this one is you saw so much more character development from all of these villains that kind of had just a little bit, like you saw a lot from overhaul, but you see a broken overhaul coming an armless overhaul. Cause Mr. Uh, you know, was it Mr. Compress or was it just compress compress took one of his arms because he took one of Compress's arms, you know, and then Shigaraki tore his other arm from him or decayed his other arm from him before he got locked up um, after the previous season, you know, so you see, these characters and what was the lady's name that literally took her hair and then shot? Uh, Do you remember uh, her name? Lady, uh, Lady Nagant, I think it's her Nagant or Nagant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you I, go, Nagant or Nagant. Yeah, Nagant. Yeah, N A N G A N T. I think is what it was called. But like that was a pretty badass quirk. And then the fact that um, she had gotten the other quirk where she was what wind walking essentially or whatever it yeah. was. Uh, um, and then you see, like I said, you see all of this buildup. You see just the unrest with all of these civilians, the people that are afraid to put their trust in heroes because heroes let them down. Heroes didn't beat back the bad guys. And, you know, you're seeing essentially a Batmobile that both All Might and Best Genus are in. You know, I'm just like, dude, what's going on? You see Hawks in a, in a mask. He sounds like Vader. Um, you know, he's got little chicken wings, essentially, because he's still trying to heal. Um, however... During this arc, there's two spots in particular that I really want three. Um, one of them being Hawks' backstory. So I think we go then, then we go to Hellish Todoroki's, or we can do Hell. Let's do Hellish Todoroki's, then Hawks, and then we'll finish it with Stain. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing exactly what my hero did and laying the foundation. You see Stain walk up, and then you see some really cool shit happen towards the end. But the Hellish Todoroki's, you want to talk about a character arc, or not a character arc, excuse me, a story arc within a story within another story. Holy shit, was this one deep. This one could have been half of a season in itself, just those, what, two or three parts that we got for the Hellish Todorokis. But seeing 
how Endeavor and then um, I can't remember her name, but Shoto's mom comes in, how they meet up, how they connect. And then you find out it was all a quirk marriage. They were just trying to make the strongest kid. Um, and then you see Toya come in. Obviously, he ends up being Dobby and him wanting to be and then it put into him from Endeavor that he's got to be better than All Might. He has to be the one that surpasses him because Endeavor can't. And then you see his body cannot keep up. His flames are the strongest from everybody, but his body just cannot take those flames. You know, when this story arc is going on, what were some of the things that stuck out to you the most? Um, <laughs> in our group chat, I put a, a gif of uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> versus Azula. That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that, that's, that's the best way I can wrap it up. Like, it, it's just, you see Dobby... And, and like you just feel bad for him man like he's mm -hmm. been so brainwashed by his dad because like all he wanted was endeavor's approval to be like you know you can be a hero or you know you can do this you can do this but then just like just imagine like your parents saying like no you can't do that no more you know like mm -hmm. after hyping you up for all, all these years just like no you can't do that and endeavor doesn't even explain to him like why you can't do it it's just like no you can't do it don't do it that's it. Like a very typical Asian dad, just like, don't do it. And then on to the next kid. Like, yeah. you know, like Nabi never got that explanation. Like, why can't I be a hero? And, and, and you know, you see him like trying to one up Shoto. Cause once Shoto is born, you see him like, like devastated. Like, dude, like yeah. I was doing this for you all this time. And now you just, you won't consider me no more. You just want to press on to Shoto that. And even the little, even little Dobby was, or little Toya was like, dude, I'm going to, attack this fucker man like he he, yeah. like he tried to attack his own brother and you know it, it's just it was just a bad family dynamic man like he, mm -hmm. i think i think all all in all i think it's everyone's fault like or not everyone's but it's, it's the parents fault because absolutely not only was it uh excuse me not only was it endeavor but shoto's mom too you know she played a part in it because she she didn't say nothing you know and, mm -hmm. and she got caught up in her own emotions and uh just to see that like I said, man, just seeing that 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 scene where where Endeavor is like just mentioning like I looked for you, you know, because you see that you see that Dobby realizes his firepower. He realizes like, oh shit, like I can do the I can do these moves, at, but then he it's also at the cost of his his body and yeah, man, like just to see Endeavor like be broken and realize like, man, like I see this, but the, at the same time, like at this, this kind of this, at this, this age of endeavor is just like, really bro. Like you lose your kid and yet you're still an ass. You know, like you still, yeah. you're still, you still want to be the best after losing your kid. It's just, you know, it, you, you kind of see that man, like endeavor was just so caught up in trying to be better than all Might, you know, and, and, and that's poisonous dude. Like that kind of that level of pride or that level of like envy, you, you see it, it was not only hurting Endeavor, it was hurting his family. Absolutely, man. You saw what would happen if Ebenezer Scrooge did not listen to those three ghosts and change his life, man. You saw what comes next, and you saw the dark road that Endeavor would go down. That's why I find him to be such an just a fascinating character. Because you, I, I could see so much of myself in Endeavor. Like, you know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm hard on my kids. Like I'm hard on the oldest one because, you know, he's 13. I expect certain things out of him. You know, I expect him to be a good person. I expect him to try his hardest, 
But, you know, when I say I'm hard on my kids, I just hold them accountable for their actions. Like you made a you made a, a distinct choice or a specific choice to do X, Y and Z. So whether it was good, bad or indifferent, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here. No pun intended. I'm going to make sure that you understand that, hey, if you choose to go down this road, if you choose to go down that road, this is what's going to happen. And when you choose that, you kind of have to pay the piper with whatever comes next, man. Like I said, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm going to hold you accountable. So you see that, but then you also see like the despair he has and how much he wants to go back. But he's already down this road and his pride will not let him. His pride will be his downfall. And his pride is coming back in, a, in, in, a, in the form of Toya um, evolving into this Dobby character. You know, you so you see the entire Todoroki family come together in unison. You say, hey, we're going to end this together. And this is the first time the Todorokis have been together probably since ever. You know, I, I don't want to even say after Toya because you saw the fractures in this family. You saw that to Shoto hated him. You saw his older brothers and sisters, even though his older sister was trying to bring the family together. You saw Shoto's middle brother just hate endeavor you saw the mom hate endeavor so the fact that they all came together for this i think was just really beautiful um and you know you kind of start to see a backseat to a lot of these characters you know um you don't see too much from endeavor you see a little bit here and there but endeavor knows he can't really come into play hawks can't really come into play um you know best genius can't really come into play because like i said they are trying to draw out the league of villains and shigaraki and everybody with deku um you know so you start to see a character that i've wanted backstories for for quite some time and that's hawks very you know pun intended man very cloak and dagger and then you see why because he's essentially like you said earlier he's cia operative essentially you know you see this character much like shigaraki you see this character that he comes from a dysfunctional family his mom obviously has some kind of mental instability whether it's something like bipolar or something like the I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, I think it's dissociative disorder, something along those lines. She's not all there. So you see that. And then you see that she, he has an abusive dad that is a lifelong criminal. That's a murderer. And then he takes it out on him. He takes it out on the mom. Um, and then you see Hawks's only salvation is this Endeavor doll. He sees Endeavor as the shining light. What All Might was to Deku is what Endeavor is to Hawks. It's that same age. You know, and you see this dichotomy, you see this, man, I can't think of the words to like really break this down accurately, but you see the issues like anything could have happened to Hawks and made him go left or made him go right, made him go good or made him go bad. And the fact that he would have been outstanding as a villain, outstanding as a hero is just speaks volumes to the level of character that is written into him. And so when you're seeing this. I don't want to say, uh, you know, Shigaraki light or diet Shigaraki origin story because this origin story was phenomenal. But like I said, you could have seen him go bad or good. It just depends on what would have happened. But when you see this story arc kind of unfolding with Hawks, man, what were some of the highlights of this one for you? It was more so like finally we got to see some back backstory on Hawks mm -hmm. because like they've the writer did really well on just hiding Hawks's identity because essentially that's what he is. He's He's, you know, an undercover agent. But mm -hmm. to see that that was his story, that was his come up. And like you said, he could have gone the villain route, but it was just more so he wanted to be so much like Endeavor because, excuse me, he you could see that as a kid, he wanted someone to save him too. And, yes. and you know, I guess him making just like that slight ch choice or that, that choice difference there of 
being the one to save people because he wants to be saved, it, it got him to the hero position that he's at now where, you know, when, when the, the government finds out like, yo, he, he saved everyone with his wings. Like we could use someone like you, you know, mm -hmm. just let us train you. And we, we need you for this specific spot. And you see Hawks, uh, Hawks has come up and, you know, at the same time, I, I do feel like in a way bad for him too, because now, you know, as a kid, imagine being a kid growing up and you're just, I don't want to say groomed, but you're, you're brought up in a world where no one really knows you and you're just an operative. Like your, yep. your life purpose is now like to do these dangerous sought out missions that no one needs to know about, you know? It's... Oh my God. It's Jason Bourne. Yeah, exactly. I love that meme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly who Hawks is. He's, he's like the Jason Bourne of my hero because yeah. dude, this, this, this guy, that's all, this, like essentially this is all he knows, you mm -hmm. know? And, and, you know, I, I, I guess in a way have a soft spot for Hawks because like you said with, with this, with his background, man, like it's, it's very sad to see that, like, you know, him and his mom were out in the street, you know, like they were yeah. like, no one cared about them. And he, he, all he had was just the endeavor doll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it like, it goes to show you, it's just like, cause you can see, I've seen, I don't want to say I've seen stuff like that. Cause I've never seen a kid with wings, but like that whole scene where, you see him being abused from his father. You see him being neglected from his mother. You see, I've seen that in real world. I've seen that with my friends. I've seen that with just kids. You know, you're out and about and you see, you know, a kid that's dirty as shit. His parents obviously don't give a fuck. They're yelling at him. They're cussing at him. They're telling me stupid. You know, they're <clears throat> essentially unloading all of that adult baggage on a little kid. So you, you feel for Hawks as a character. And then you understand why he has such a... I don't want to say flip it in the wrong word, but you see that he has such, he does not get connected so much like every other hero would. Like he is very cold, like behind his eyes. I don't know how they do it, but like you look at his eyes and he's like, dude, he's got shark eyes. He'll kill you if he has to. Like he has no yeah. kind of emotional attachment. He is like a robot essentially. And then you see why you see why he's so despondent and so detached from like a normal human being even though like i said he is what the number two hero at that time but you see why he is the way he is and then it made me fall for that character so much more and appreciate like oh fuck he could have went bad he could have broke bad and been like one of the greatest villains of all time but he chose to hold on to that light that endeavor showed him at such a young age he gave him hope you know, so long ago. And I, th I thought that was so fascinating and so beautiful, not only just for Hawks, but Endeavor, because I hope by the end of this series that maybe Endeavor gets to see that from Hawks, because I think it's something special. The whole reason I started this podcast was to give people thanks, man, to tell people that I really appreciated what they did. They made they made me feel some kind of way, good, bad, or indifferent um, about something that I watched, something that I read, something that I absorbed, something that I talked about with my friends, you know, so I hope that moment comes for Endeavor. You know, because I do think he's one of the one of the one of the heroes that we probably won't see the uh, we won't see um, him make it to the end of the series alive. I do think he is one of those characters, um, but I really hope that you know we get to see Hawks give him that moment because I think there's something very special when somebody can give you your flowers. Yeah, I I, I hope so too. I, I I mean I think Endeavor probably. I'm and, and I'm just theorizing and assuming. I I I think Endeavor does know. That Hawks mm -hmm. is a fanboy, but yeah. I think it would be very nice to see like Hawks show or have and never see that kind of gratitude from Hawks, mm -hmm. where Hawks like, dude, like because of you, 
I'm where I'm at now. Like I have not been doing this because because you know because everyone's so caught up with all my and imagine like being someone like Endeavor where you're chasing to be better than someone and someone tells you like dude like you were the one that saved me and it wasn't like yeah. all my you know so like i think that'll be a very heartfelt moment between those two heroes do you think hawks has a tattoo of endeavor <laughs> and if so why is it on his left or right calf <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking of the you know in water boy where the, where the coach is like like if your mama doesn't know it won't hurt her and his tattoos yeah. on his ass and that's <laughs> That's yeah. how Fox has the Endeavor tattoo on his ass cheek. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> no, Colonel Sanders, you wrong. Mama, right. <laughs> Gatorade. Oh, God, that's such a great movie. Um, I believe uh, I'd have to go back and fact check this because I was told this and I just went with it. Um, but the water boy, the football scenes, the you see the Bulldog Stadium. I believe that was actually one of our rival high schools. It's right up the that was right up the road from us when I was younger. Um, oh, so I, yeah, I believe I'd have to go back and check it. Uh, but like when I was a kid and they told me that I was like, Oh shit. And then I moved out of that city and I just never thought to like fact check it. So I've went around and told people that my entire life. So I hope it's right. You know, but I, <laughs> I love, I love that movie. But so flash forward in the head, man. So we see, uh, the Todoroki family come together. We see in, uh, Endeavor and, uh, you know, Hawks and best genus and all might kind of coming together to support Deku. Um, we're seeing, um, uh, what what was his name? Uh, man, Deku fought the dude that just wrapped muscle on top of muscle. Remember his name? Oh, muscular. Oh man, I should have fucking known. It was muscle on top of muscle, muscular. Some of these <laughs> names are just so on the nose. I should know, but uh, <laughs> just seeing him fight that guy, I'm just thinking, like, man, that dude is. He makes my skin crawl. Just like his quirk is just, I don't know. Like I get, like you remember when that uh. There was like a meme or a gif going around and it looked like honeycomb or little little circles and people's skin and stuff was sticking out. So there's like this. Oh, yeah, that's this... like a some sort of phobia or something. Like yeah, that. right. So I remember that uh, that that's what that feels like for me. It's just like I see him and I see this muscle disattach or unattach, whatever it might be, and then attach again and build up. Ah, it's just okay. something very creepy about that. It's just like, dude, that's fucking gross. But uh <laughs> like you see him fight him and then he kind of gets his ass worn out a little bit. He, you know, Deku beats the shit out of him. Um and then we're we're you know we're seeing him fight Lady Nagant or Nagant, however you say her name, um, which was a badass episode. Uh just seeing that whole fight sequence, I was like, holy shit, dude, this is so cool. But one, the reason I bring that up is this one particular moment. I can't remember if Deku tells All Might this during this episode, or it might have been like a flashback. But uh, All Might essentially goes like, oh, dude, you don't even look back anymore. You don't even look for confirmation. And this scene hit so hard. Like, I keep bringing in my real life into the show, but I think that's what the, the mark of such a beautiful show is when you can, like, pick out moments in your life where you can look at and you can see, like, hey, maybe they were drawing from personal experience. So when Hayden first started karate, like, I would sit there and I'd watch him. And then he was always looking at me to make sure I was watching him when he would fight, right? So I'm sitting here, I'm watching it. And, like, it, I would see that in, in my hero. And then... It wasn't until this year, maybe like maybe this year, maybe at the end of last year, like where he would stop looking for me in the crowd when he was fighting at tournaments and stuff like that. So he would go out and like he would always look at me. And I've always been one of those guys that like I really want to help coach him, even though I don't know much about martial arts There's one thing that I do know a lot about and it's tendencies. And I know people. 
right? So when I played basketball, I was super good at breaking down the game, watching people, what they would do on their left side and their right side, what they would do with their hips and their shoulders, what they would do with their ass and their feet. You know, I would watch all of these tendencies that people would lean on, and then I would use that and implement that. And then I was a super vocal dude on the court. So I would call out tendencies for other players. Like, well, he would go left, he would go right, or he would do this, he would do that. When he gets in the post, he does this. So Hayden would look at that, and then he would ask me after the fight or during the fight or when he had a break in between fighting somebody, he would say, hey, what do you see or what am I missing? That type of thing. So I would tell him. And then now, you know, I'm trying not to fucking cry because it's like my kid's getting old and, you know, one day he's not going to, he doesn't need me now, but it's just one day it's going to be like All Might and Deku for me and Hayden. It's just like he's already stopped looking back. He's consistently looking forward. That scene where All Might is, uh, like I said, I'm trying not to fucking cry, dude, because this thing hit me so hard in the feels. But when All Might is running after Deku and he's got the fucking pork cutlets in his hand and Deku does not look back at him and he takes off. That thing tore me down to my core because I saw myself wanting to catch up with my oldest son and tell him like how much that meant. Like I'm fucking trying. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to cry, man. But it's like that scene hit so fucking hard, dude. It was just, it was so special. And like I said, I really feel like he was drawing off of a personal experience or maybe one of those writers was drawn off a personal experience, but it, it meant so much to see that. And I thought it was so beautiful, man. Um, and I'm gonna let you talk for a little bit. Cause I'm like, I, I composed myself. Woosah, man, I got to get back to it, Ricky. <laughs> but what were you thinking about that scene? It, it was, there, there was a lot going on because, um, you know, you get to see Deku, um, essentially change like his mm. personality change. You know, he wasn't smiling. He wasn't like, um, as, as I guess you could say as happy as he was. Um, but I, I do like that there are moments of, of All Might being shown. Like, he had, he's still a hero. Like, there was a part where he saved the lady from getting hit from a car or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, All Might is still the hero. But then, like, when you when you see that, when you, when you see All Might realize that Deku may or may not need him no more, it, All Might's like, shit, like, do am I, am I even still? It makes All Might like, have com- conflict now. He's like, yeah. am I even still a hero then, or am I still good enough to be a hero? Like the 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 hero of best, like the the best of the best, is doubting himself now. He's like, yeah. like, am I even like does he even need me anymore? Like I, mm-hmm. I I'm devoting my life to this kid, and you know he doesn't. He just goes off on his own. Like it's it's uh you know he might not. It's not like I'm useless to him, but he doesn't need me. And, and I think that that's why like to all might man like he he felt some type of way to see that that could go off like that and you know even like towards uh we're gonna skip i'm just gonna bring up a little bit at the end like where they both realized that they were when deku wanted to apologize to all might you know even Deku realized like oh man i i didn't treat him as as well as i should have because mm-hmm. all that time all might was looking out for my for me like for his like in the best best way like the best interest you know because all might was like you didn't eat yet you need a rest you know you gotta slow down um how is like they even make a nod to the first movie like with the gauntlets it's like how is that gauntlet yeah. you got from the u.s you know like how is that almost like a parent to him mm-hmm. and um you know you see you just see deku like no i'm good i'm good and then just yeah. goes off yeah like i said dude that and i'm sorry for crying on you man but it was just like that that scene was so 
it was so heartfelt. And like I said, I, I really think that they draw from personal experience on that one. If not, man, they're just a master at playing with your emotions, dude. It, it's, you know, and like I said, we're going to jump ahead just a little bit and we're getting towards the end of, uh, you know, wrapping up the se- season. Um, you know, you see All Might, you know, gripping, you know, grappling with the fact that he might not no longer be needed. Like he, Deku knows everything. He literally tells him he can do all of this with, you know, at a hundred percent, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need it. He's trying to push them away so nobody gets hurt. And, you know, you eventually see, you know, his classmates come to his rescue. Um, You see him, you know, destitute. You see him dark. He looks like dark Deku at this point. Like he looks like a villain. And I thought this costume was so fucking dope. It was so ragged. He looked like the boogeyman essentially. And you see this, you see these these kids come to his his rescue, his aid, because they know, like all of the pro heroes, Endeavor, Best Genus, Hawks, they all know, all my all knows that it doesn't matter what they say, they're not going to get to him. Doesn't matter what they do, they're not going to cut through the facade that Deco has put up. The walls that Deco is putting up to keep everybody else safe, they're not going to break those walls down. They're unpenetrable. But they he, they know that if they get the kids involved that he's been training with, he's been practicing with, he's been fighting tooth and nail with, with the league with for five seasons prior, for years now, or a year or two, whatever it has been at this point, he knows that they can finally get through to him. And then you see all of these guys and gals break out everything that they've learned together, everything that Deku has pointed out, every piece of advice Deku has given them. And they use it against him to break him down and wear him down. They break the walls down. Uh, That's a Chris Jericho reference for sure. Um, You know, uh, they break down Deku's walls and they finally get to they get through to him. And the scene that just ripped my heart out, it wasn't Uraraka screaming at the rooftops, dude. It was Bakugo. When they put Bakugo up there and Bakugo tells him that he was essentially a dick and he apologizes for everything, you know, and Deku essentially collapses and Bakugo's there to catch him. Bakugo doesn't let him touch the ground, man. I thought that that whole scene, I know a lot of my friends were kind of upset with the whole, they thought it was going to be more of a, like a 1A versus 1B fight where Deku was actually going to put hands on somebody. But if you really look at it, like there's no way in fuck that Deku was going to ever try to hurt anybody. He was just going to evade and get away. And and like I said, that whole scene with him and Bakugo, I thought was, was it the second movie where he tried to pass on the quirk? Yeah. Okay. That, that was, I put that up there as far as emotionally goes with that scene. Uh, because that those two scenes in particular, when I think of Deku and Bakugo, those are the first two I think of, and those are the first two that make me cry like a little bitch. Um, in particular, man, it's just it was such a special moment, man. So going from the pages, I don't know if you can get the ca- same kind of like emotional vibe that you could for for the anime, but what were you feeling, man? Were you feeling as sentimental and sappy as I was watching those two? Um, I'm gonna be honest, not so much with Bakugo and Deku, but it was with Ida. Yeah, yeah. That 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 scene or that part of the rescue was like that hit me pretty hard Mm because like uh like just because you see when when Deku's getting away and you kind of see like the the comparisons when they rescued Bakugo, yes, and season or season three when they rescued Bakugo, it's it's the same thing, like they're Mm -hmm. all teaming up and like they they kind of use the same idea to save them and it's what the the second uh one one for all user said he's like he needs someone that could run alongside him and, and yeah 
excuse me, like the only one that could withstand that kind of speed and velocity was Ida because Ida's a, he that that's he can withstand that kind of speed. So to see like all that effort it took, like the class to just shoot Ida out yeah. and to to just grab Deku's hand, and then he's like, you know, the the essence of a hero is to like like what is it? I forgot I forgot the exact quote but he's like you know if you're not meddling that's not like the essence of being a hero like whatever deku said to him is what he said to deku when he when he when they fought mm-hmm. stain the first time and man that shit ripped my heart dude. i was like dude yeah. orikoshi's <laughs> so good at this because like it, it it made me really like it, it made me really appreciate ida's character because mm-hmm. you know ida ida comes from the family of he he's from a family of heroes and he has like this honor complex and stuff like that like yeah to, to ida it, it's already like he knows that he's destined to be a hero. And then like to see him hold Deku's hand, he's like, you know, uh uh I can butchering the name, but like Ingenium. Ingenium, yeah. Ingenium, the hero, like I'm 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 here to save the kids to hold their hands, you know, and, and he's saying it to Deku, like that's the, I'm saving you, bro. Like I, you're the one I'm trying to save. And man, like that like to see like Deku react in the way he did, and then right after that, Baku goes like yeah, I'm sorry for being a dick. You know, so like, <laughs> like it's like that's the apology everyone was looking. Like, all the Bakugo haters, whatever they have to fucking say. Like, the, you know, it, it, it's 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 finally been said. Like, Bak- Bakugo knows he knows what he did to Deku, and it was mm-hmm. out of insecurities that he took it out on Deku. But deep down, man, Bakugo is like we've said this tons of times on 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 our podcast. Man, Bakugo is not a bad guy. He's just no. Misunderstood. He has like bad tendencies from time to time, but it's not like harmful to people. He just picked on Deku because he knew he was in a way threatened. Like, oh shit, if I don't, if I don't step up my game, he's gonna surpass me. And of all people, I don't want him to surpass me. You know, so yeah, it, it, it's it was really nice to see that. It was really nice to see that uh that Bakugo like finally took that time to be like, hey, look, I'm sorry. Like I, I yeah. whatever I did to you, whatever I said to you, I'm sorry, and, and that's. And that right there was like, dude, if you don't love Bakugo anymore, like, I don't know. People are just idiots for not enjoying the writing of Bakugo, man. Because I don't know. It's just like, I think Bakugo is the most real character out of all these students. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the one that anyone can relate to because we've all been bullies to someone before. We've all grown and changed in our lifetime. We're not always the hero like Deku. We're not always like saving someone like Deku. But, you know, Bakugo is the most real. and, and it's also like people forget that you can also redeem yourself as a person. And I think that's why like Bakugo is one of the best characters because you see that even though he was a dick to Deku, the majority of the show, he redeemed himself. He he showed that he's not a terrible person. Absolutely, man. I couldn't say it any better than uh, what you had just said. Um, you know, it was where you uh, you you brought him up. Uh, Stain, man. I've been waiting and hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping since... You know, we last saw him, you know, just essentially use all of his battery. And uh, I was so pumped up because (laughs) I had a feeling you don't when you're a fan of comic books, as long as I've been a fan of comic books and you're a fan of anything and you see a panel, you see a scene, you see somebody that was there, but is no longer there, but they show you that person is still alive and still in this universe, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, at some point in time, 
that bad son of a bitch is going to pop up again. And that's exactly what we see Stain do when all of the when all of the um, the villains are being released from all of these prisons. We see Stain. You know, he walks through when he's trying to figure out what's going on because he's been locked up for as long as he's been locked up. He doesn't know what's going on in the outside world. He doesn't know what happened. Um, and, you know, he sees this dude of all the people. And I, I thought this was so I thought it was so beautiful that he was like all these people I passed. Everybody was clutching a weapon and this guy was clutching something like a kid. He was like, I knew there was something on there. Right. And, you know, he takes it from this guy and then he knows the only person he can give it to is All Might, the guy, the only hero that is an actual hero. The only guy that's essentially allowed to kill Stain is All Might if All Might <laughs> kills somebody, you know, that's the only guy that he will bow down to. And, you know, we see we see, you know, All Might come face to face with Stain. When there's something so powerful about the open, I, I don't, was it in the first episode where it's that, that picture of all might statue and it says, I'm not here. Was that in the first episode or was that alluded to down the road? I just remember seeing that visualization of that statue. I am not here or something along those lines. And it was just I, visual imagery throughout the entire series. I don't recall, but yeah, that, that play, I, I guess that was there like in the sec first the first part of the second half where mm -hmm. you kind of see like where the people kind of turned on the heroes and stuff. yeah yeah so seeing seeing that whole progression of just the chaos ensuing the people that are no longer there for the heroes you know they're trying to they're trying to protect themselves and protect their businesses you know and all might goes to the statue and then he's greeted by Stain with a blade to his neck. And he essentially thinks this is it. This is how I go out. This is Hero Killer Stain. And then he sees that there is still hope within the people. Not everybody has turned their back on the heroes. You know, and you see Stain essentially give this speech. It's like, no, dude, you're still here. You're still within people. No matter what you think, you know, that dilemma, that conflict that All Might had within himself a few episodes prior, like Deku doesn't need me. I'm not a real hero anymore. I'm done. I'm not looked at like that. He still sees the symbol that he is, the true symbol of hope. He still sees the weight and the gravitas that that carries. He still sees that there are people that are looking to anything that'll brighten their day. And especially to all might that lady comes out and cleans up his statue. She takes that. I am not here sign off, you know? So I thought it was a really cool introduction. I, I'm, I can't wait to see like what happens was, I hope this isn't like the samurai walking off into the sunset. I hope we get to see some more stain, you know, as the series progresses, I have to imagine we will. Cause you're not just going to bring a badass motherfucker like that around for 10 minutes and then get, I mean, they might, but they're not going to do that. I don't think, um, but, uh, yeah, what was, what was, uh, as we're wrapping up this season, man, what were some final thoughts on not only the stain and my, uh, the, all my interaction, but overall, man, what was your feeling about this season? Um, the, the second half of the season wrapped up really well. I thought, you know, um, I, I kind of wish like the fights were a little bit longer, but mm -hmm. storytelling wise, or like the story plot wise was still good. Um, you know, I I do want to give some thoughts on like between like All Might and Stain. I I, I do think that at the end All Might's gonna have to fight Stain, mm -hmm. even if he has no quirk. I think Stain will not allow All Might to 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 retire officially until he fights Stain. Yeah, like Stain's 
probably gonna be like you're catching these hands i don't care man. like we're fighting so i i think they're teasing that because even then like he he told all might like you're the only one that could beat me and i've already killed 40 heroes you gotta do something about that you know mm-hmm. so uh, uh stan's just like i'm let i'm i'm letting you know you can kill me like the balls in just, your court. Yeah, like, do it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not gonna, you know. So who knows? Maybe they, they will fight or something like that. But you know, I, I, I kind of brought me back to like because we both uh, spoke to Rob McCollum too, like who voices mm-hmm. Stain, and just hearing him talk about like how he thought that he knows Stain is there. He just waited to come back. So I, I can't wait to hear him as Stain again, just to yeah. have that that little moment. But uh, I, I do want to also add on, just like I, I think that that this season man, the way how they ended it was just great to see that um you know you just see the growth of all the students like i said they just mm-hmm. seeing deku grow bakugo grow um and, and like the the people in society change their outlook on the heroes because now that after the, the whole war arc is just like they they were all afraid they they didn't even want deku back at ua they're like dude if you leave him here he, we're going to be the target of all for mm-hmm. one you know so it it was just like a lot of like um back and forth debating and stuff like that but then there was one point of the show or in that episode where when Udarak is making that speech and i love this like i guess uh i don't want to say comparison but it's like from the first or from the second episode of season one where all might tells him like you can be a hero and deku's like kneeling and crying and then mm-hmm. you see like the second time where he does that and it's when uh coda and the shark uh, lady come and run towards him and man I, yeah. I i that was more for me like i said with the manga that was more heartfelt in the manga like you see when mm-hmm. seeing kota run to deku man and, and tell him like dude I, I bought red shoes because that's what you have you have red yeah. shoes and you, you, you saved me so like little things like that man like it, it's just it was just so good uh as a reader and, and to see that and uh but yeah man just like that to see how this wrapped up and then like with the end how they tease the uh, star and stripe my god mm-hmm. dude, I, america's number one hero uh she kind of looks like <laughs> homelander a little bit but dude, that like, she does <laughs> but uh i already love all the memes that they have they're like of course america would be the first one to go to war you know like so, <laughs> so i just thought like all the memes are funny as hell because like because in that in that un meeting they're like yeah the our hero couldn't wait so she took off first and it's it's yeah. star and stripe on the on the on the fight on the jets. Uh, fighter jets and stuff but I, already, I mean, I already know what's going to happen in the upcoming season. It's just, I can't wait to see her because uh, she's going to have a fight soon because she's America's hero, number one hero. And so she's going to have a fight next. That's all I can say. But man, is her fight, her upcoming fight going to be so good. I can't wait to see that being animated. And uh, I, I love the actress who does her voice because uh, in, in the, in the uh, for the sub actor, she does, she also voices Hanji from Attack on Titan. Okay. And she voices um uh what's his name? Uh ah what's the, he's from Bleach, the white hair kid. I'm forgetting his name. But she she's and she's also uh in uh Full Metal Alchemist too. So she's a very good actress. I'm glad that they picked her for for that role. Um but yeah, dude, I can't wait for season 7, man. It's going to start off with the bang. Oh man, if if I've learned anything, dude, it's just like this season set the bar for the entire series so far. Like they, I feel bad for the animators, the voice actors, the writers for all of this, because this, this is going to be hard. I got to imagine the the manga just keeps getting better and better, but I got to imagine like this is going like trying to match this pace 
I, I just, like I said, I can't wait to see it. I hope they hit the level. I hope they hit the mark, which I know they will. If they can do it in this season and the rest of the seasons, they can do it again. All I can say is um, I don't want to like sound like it's do- going down, but season four and season six were probably the best arcs, though. Because like yeah. what I've been reading in the manga is still good. Don't get me wrong. There's good moments, but it didn't have me on the edge of my seat like like the season six. Last arc. two. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it's different. So um, but, you know, not to discourage anyone from not reading the manga, you should definitely read the manga because it's um, I believe Horikoshi said he's on his last arc or so. Um, so mm-hmm. sh- I don't know if it'll be ending anytime soon, but um, it's getting there. Yeah, I hope he's doing okay because I know he had a scare and he was in the hospital again because of just the consistent pressures that they're putting Dude. under these guys, man. I really hope he's okay. He he's writing and he's drawing the manga, dude. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook, but like, I posted like a panel, like a two like a two page spread panel mm-hmm. that he did. And dude, the the amount of work he's putting in into this series, like I, I just I I am more concerned about his health because like if yes, you know if you're not healthy take time off dude like we can wait on this series like that's why like i love and hate the fan base because the fan base they always got something to bitch about man they always got something to be mad about you know Mm -hmm. if if they're not mad at deku or bakugo then they're mad at the writer if they're mad at the writer they're mad at endeavor you know like it's (laughs) it's like dude like like relax let this guy breathe who cares if he writes characters that you don't like there's a bunch of other characters like you know so yeah that's my little rant about the my hero fandom. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We are our own worst enemy. I just like I said, I hope the guy's okay. I hope he's doing better, man. Take six months off. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I don't give a shit, dude. I want you at your best and brightest, and I want you yep. happy and healthy, man. Nothing else matters. Um, well, Ricky, man, uh, I gotta I gotta say, dude, I really enjoy the you know the friendship that we've we've had over these last couple years doing this podcast because there's one guy i've actually had to stay away from your facebook your instagram and everything else because until i finished my hero because like i said you're spoiler for so this what you you know and you're, you're super passionate about this stuff um so just getting to hang out and talk you know virtually eventually we'll do it in person one day um the goal was to do it this year because we were going to be in the same area in texas as you were uh but you know katie's pregnant and stuff so we kind of had to cancel those plans uh but maybe one day like i said one day we'll get together and we'll actually do one of these in person man but like i said getting to just pick your brain about anime uh something that i am super novice level in uh and getting to see your opinion on how you see things both on the written and, and and drawn side to the animated and and voice acting side um has been nothing but spectacular and fun like i said i look forward to your podcast each week uh you you know listening to you and people like um Ta and sean on whiskey lodian um and then listening to brandon on animation destination and listen to isaiah on 47 cartoon guy getting to see you guys's perspectives and takes on things opens up my horizons and it opens up me to be better at this you know just talking it that's all it really is but really getting to see what you guys think and how it makes you feel and what makes you think and what makes you tick both good and bad um like i said i find your podcast extremely fascinating i know you got a a couple episodes coming up i think you said when uh this episode will drop we'll have the last of us review um that you guys are putting on man but uh if you had to give somebody the old elevator pitch on why they should be listening to your show or what they could expect when they're listening to your show, let the fans know what Spoiler Force Podcast is all about. <laughs> I mean, if, if I was to pitch my podcast, man, it's just like if you like something 
and you want to hear me talk about it, then you know, just check it out. It's like I don't just do anime reviews, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've been on an anime run for a while now, for the past year and a half. But like, I, I have like a variety of, of artists on the show, man. Not just like not just voice actors, but I, I mm-hmm. spoke to musicians. Um, in the beginning episodes, I, I speak with cosplayers. I, I speak with uh, other actors and, and people in the uh, the the comic convention industry where they do art and stuff like that. I speak mm-hmm. with them. Um, I do reviews and stuff like that too. Not just anime reviews. I do movie reviews and stuff like that too. Um, you know, it's been a big variety of things because now that I live in Texas, now it, it, I've had more opportunities on the anime side. So mm-hmm. it feels good when you tell me that you like my perspective of an anime because honestly, there are people out there with much more knowledge in the anime community than I do. I'm very like basic when it comes to this stuff. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of people who who know like certain animes that are really good, but not hot, you know? And, and I, I honestly, I strive to be on that level where there's like certain shows that I watch and I, I want to be able to be like, Hey, you should watch the show. And before it gets hot and then, next thing you know it's hot you know i, I want to be able to see certain animes like that so um if you if you got if you guys want to like just see some like opinions or like see what i what i do you can just follow spoiler first on like all my socials instagram twitter uh facebook uh youtube i i do a lot of i'm more i've been more active on instagram lately so you can check out my stories there i do like a bunch of silly stuff on instagram like memes and stuff like that they make me laugh quite a bit um <laughs> <laughs> uh, twitter i'm not too active on twitter but i do share like the episodes and stuff like that so like or links and clips and stuff like that um same thing on tiktok uh you know you can check out facebook if anyone's still using facebook um but yeah <laughs> so it, it's you know it's hard to it's hard to really kind of I'm gonna be honest. It is hard to 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 sell spoiler force because like when people think of spoiler force, like oh he's just reviewing things, but no, like I want to be more than that. You know, I want to be able to talk with people and and get different perspectives and stuff like that, and, and not just be stuck in one um type of content making. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to like I said before, like, I want to be able to talk with everyone and anyone on on the show. You know, because when it comes down to it, man, we're just talking about things we like. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said, man, it, it's it's been a blast getting to know you these last three years or so. Um, and I can't wait to see what you got coming next. Because like I said, every time I get to see an old Spotify, I see a new Spoiler Force episode pop up, download. It doesn't matter what I'm listening to. I can listen. <laughs> I could be listening to, to Rogi. I could be listening to my NBA podcast. Yours goes straight to the top of the list, man. So keep doing Thank what you. you're doing. And like I said, I really enjoy it, man. Well, there's no better way to end this than he's been Ricky. I've been Julian. This has been a What's in My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night.